podcast is part of the Pod Syndicate family. For more criminally compelling shows, articles, and conversations, head to wearepodsyndicate.com. episode 377 of film bastards we are recording this again and there is a section that has not been recorded and i will never speak of it uh my name is ian loring and as always i'm joined by uh becky foster hello everybody and mark foster hello everybody and we've got a comic book movie to talk about jesus fucking christ so who could we possibly have on no, Mella. Hello. It's been a while. It has been. What was the last show you were on for, Noel? Didn't we discuss this? Wasn't it like I I wasn't on for um I wasn't on for Harley Quinn. I don't were think. You on for New Mutants. I think mm. New Mutants. Was I on for New Mutants? Yeah, I'm sure you were. Oh, I did. Yeah, I was. That's right. Oh shit. Yeah. So it's August. Yeah. Okay. I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, that's not not too bad then. Yeah. Um, and it's a comic book movie, so obviously we've got Admiral Art House. <laughs> <laughs> well, Gal Gadot is like Israeli, isn't she? So therefore, she's it's kind of foreign. World cinema. Yes. Pedro Pascal. American. <laughs> <laughs> With a Spanish name. <laughs> A bit of culture. Sorry, yes, Jordan McGrath. Ho, ho, what, a, ho. what a treat, guys. This is our festive pre-holiday uh, edition. And um, I'm not going to get on with it because I, I, it was a very, very sloppy introduction I did previously that uh, it, we're now not going to use. So coming up, we've got discussion of a film we all managed to see in the cinema before everything turned to shit again. Uh, Wonder Woman 1984. Uh, we've got uh, Mark, Becky, and I talking about Ma Rainey's Black Bottom with Jordan providing uh, a, a, a little bit 
in there not not because he's shit just because he hasn't seen it um which we've already recorded so there's going to be a bit of uh time travel in this episode um we're also going to be talking about Holmes and watson for some reason um <laughs> and uh you know we've got some trailers we've got some news we've got some what we watched so you know it, it, it it's going to be a jam-packed show um First off, um, I'm going to get the, the plugs in. Um, so, patreon.com forward slash filmbastards. Uh, recently had two new Finch Club shows come up, uh, come out. Uh, you've got something coming for you Christmas Day, which we've already recorded. Uh, so, that will go up on Christmas Day. Um, my Honor Majesty Secret Service commentary. I'm going to record within the next few days, whether it's just me or whether um, there are any guests on. I want to get that out by the end of the month. Like I said, I would. And, uh, you know, we, we've got plans for the new year as well. So patreon.com forward slash film bastards, $2 a month. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, we are podsyndicate.com, uh, where you can find written content. You can find YouTube content. You can find podcasts from various people, such as film rants, Noel Mella, Jordan McGrath's, his film, her movie, uh we've got uh james uh james lawrence's the iron sequel um I, i'm not gonna do everybody's names jesus um entertainment landfill Jin struggle versus punter what's on tap um am i forgetting anybody or have i think that's everyone yeah nice very good uh so we are podsyndicate.com and uh yeah um that i think that was about it really so what have we got in the world of news this week? I will just say HBO Max and Warner all turned into a bit of, shit, of a shit show. And apparently now they might be reconsidering several of the films. <laughs> Brilliant. I'm very, very pleased about that personally. Um, I love the fact that apparently Will Smith basically had it written into his contract that he could decide whether King Richard got a theatrical release or not. And he's gone, I want that fucking thing on the big screen. Um, how was none of this shit litigated before they actually made that announcement? I don't know. Uh, but I love it. That's um, the thing, though, isn't it? That's It's kind of it's embarrassing more than anything else. Yeah, absolutely. The fact that such a huge decision, not only just for themselves, but for the industry and for the future of the the art form, if you want to say that, mm. and they, they haven't even looked in the T's and Q's. It's sorry, the T's and C's. It's absolutely insane. The thing is, I was all right with the whole idea of it. I'd still go to the cinema to see some of the bigger films. However, the option is there, and that was quite kind of nice. But yeah, it's it's just piss poor management mm. it, it is it's it, like you say it, it does seem a little bit like they they very quickly hit the panic button um before it, it was the right time to panic and they didn't they didn't flesh out their idea they just went bang like somebody said it uh, and then they, they didn't have time to backtrack and go oh we didn't mean that <laughs> but that's the thing as well it, it also seems like it was a decision that didn't really um didn't really consider anyone else didn't really sort of it's like they didn't consult with a lot of the people whose films they were talking about 
Yeah, I mean, th- this is it. The Dune one, I think, is fascinating, where Denis Villeneuve came out and said, you've basically killed the franchise here. Like, mm. how the fuck is there going to be demand for a second one? Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, yeah, how the fuck is there going to be demand for a second one when, you know, it's just like a $200 million movie going to HBO Max? And it's almost like Warner's gone, Fucking hell, yeah, he's got a good point, actually, hasn't he? Like, we want this to be a franchise starter, and how the fuck is it going to be that if it's just on HBO Max? It's, um, you know, I I, I 100% get why they did it with Wonder Woman. You know, it's like it's content that they've got out there, and it's ready, and they kind of probably need to start getting a move on with DC stuff to just kind of keep it in the conversation, even though I think it's interesting that Wonder Woman 84 is basically entirely standalone. Um. Which, which was kind of refreshing in a way. Um, but, you know, we'll talk about the little things later on because the trailer came out today. And, you know, that kind of feels like, yeah, all right, do you know what? Fair enough. Like kind of like adult aimed thriller that was probably mid budget kind of feels like the kind of thing that would go to Netflix. Yeah, fair enough. Um, but, you know, Godzilla versus Kong. The fact that apparently whether that's HBO Max or not will depend on whether Legendary accepts whatever financial settlement Warner offered them, even though Netflix were going to pay $250 million for it. So, you know, it 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 feels like you guys say it feels unthought out. It feels unsustainable um, and it feels like the work of someone of the head of a company who's never been the head of a movie studio before, but has been the head of a telecommunications fucking yeah. firm. It, know, stinks, it, stinks, it stinks of panic a little bit as well, because it's, I mean, as, as you've kind of hinted at, but I mean, I'd argue personally that, that Little Things doesn't necessarily feel like a, a film that would go to Netflix, more a film that would go to DVD about 10 years sure. ago. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, but no, I think I think the, the telling thing is the bigger, or the, the strange thing I'd say is the bigger film. So like the... King Kong versus Godzilla and Dune as two examples there. I understand it with Wonder Woman with Wonder Woman 84 um, because, like you say, that's a film that they that is ready to go. It's been floating around for a while. They've been marketing it for a while. But if you look at Godzilla versus King Kong and Dune, people really haven't seen much of it. I mean, there's been a Dune trailer, obviously, but it's it's not. Uh, people don't know much about. Well, a lot of people, myself included, don't know much about that text anyway. So there's still a lot of work to get it in front of people and and, and get people excited about it. So rushing it out onto video on demand seems pretty crazy. Um, Less so for something like Little Things, I'd say. But um, yeah, it just it it feels rushed. It feels panicky. And for such a massive, potentially game changing move, um, they've clearly they've clearly jumped the gun a bit. Yeah, I mean, it's I I, I think it's interesting because like the way that Disney uh, Disney are dealing with this in in terms of being pretty upfront. This is going to be Disney Plus. This is going to be theatrical. And even when they have announced that things are going theatrical to Disney Plus, you haven't heard an outcry from the filmmakers like Soul. You know, mm-hmm. like, um, yeah. it, 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 you know, nobody said anything there. And I mean, the, the, the word on Soul is. It's kind of not a surprise because it probably wouldn't have made that much money because it's fucking batshit and not for kids. Mm. I'm so intrigued by Soul. It, that 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 thing's going to be something. But, it, you know, Disney seemed to have done it in a way that hasn't got people's backs up. 
you know and you know people work with netflix big directors work with netflix and they're comfortable with what netflix do the thing the thing that's happened with warner here is it's almost literally like that the head's gone we own all these films don't we well kinda yeah we do don't we uh yeah yeah sure we do okay cool put a press release out mm. like it it, it li- i mean I, I i obviously it's not that unthought of but it feel that's what it gives the impression of and like you say it is embarrassing and i'm glad that there's some egg on the face there not for like the theatrical experience i mean like yes okay for me for the theatrical experience i am biased there but also just for the fact that you've got fucking filmmakers who are like what the fuck that, that you know and Villeneuve's right as well they're leaving money on the fucking table because if dune does hit that you know it could make a shitload of money it might make fucking nothing but if they put it out on HBO Max, there's only a certain amount of money it is going to make, I suppose. And, you know, I mean, that's... The, the thing there is that, with the with the Dune thing, is why, why make that movie and spend $150 million to make that movie specifically and then not give it a theatrical experience? It, 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 it's just pointless doing it from for, for that reason because... That movie probably isn't going to make money. It will be. It, it is it, in realms of where you're looking at it. Right, that's got a seventy percent chance of making money versus a thirty percent chance of losing money. That's probably a sixty percent chance of losing money and a forty percent chance of making money. But they've punted on it. Yeah. It's just if they had come out and said there's going to be a thirty day window or a 60 day window or something like that and said it's going to be in cinemas exclusively for a period of time and then you know to be fair like what they're doing with wonder woman over here comes out in the cinema 16th of december it's on premium video on demand the 13th of january so not even you can just watch it on a streaming service you're still probably gonna have to pay 15 pounds to rent it for 48 hours and in that case then you are still respecting the filmmakers were fully expecting to get a big screen release getting their big screen release at least for for a few weeks you know i it and I, i've mentioned it on the show before but universal their whole thing of if it makes over 50 million we won't release it on pvod as fast you know fair enough but it it it, it, it somebody said earlier on it's like the baby out with the bath water with this and um i'm i'm glad that from a pr point of view it's gone as wrong for them as it has uh hopefully it will make them learn some lessons it's interesting that you, you get the sense as well that warner brothers has been caught in the idea of you know a little bit like netflix is netflix is the company that will let you do basically whatever you want warner brothers is the, the studio that will fund whatever you want but then make sure it gets a theatrical release and actually they've they they really sort of risked losing that part of their reputation with this move um the other thing with going back to the thing on june as well is i think you've got to look at the way film the way certain films make money june i don't think it's going to do very well to be honest with you but i can understand the reasoning behind making a film like june and putting it in front of people so that people go this looks quite spectacular i want to go to the cinema i'm going to go and see this is June the kind the kind of film that makes you subscribe to a new streaming service and then stay there 
I don't think it is. It doesn't seem like that type of thing. I can understand why somebody who knew nothing about June would see a trailer and say, I want to see that at the cinema. Mm. I can't imagine them subscribing to something on the back of it. Yeah, no, that's I right. I feel like it's, it's a film that like, movies should be able to stand up to home viewing. They absolutely should, but I think it will lose something on home viewing. Yeah. I, think that, that, I think that it's that first viewing yeah. aspect of it. It's yeah. that, that first sort of absorbing everything that's going on thing you're talking about doing it but think about uh villeneuve's last film like 2049 seeing that on the big screen was an experience Mm -hmm. like with deacons photography and things like that it just was so engrossing and so beautiful and yeah you lose a lot but for me it's I i think when we do get to the time when we're going to have doing that there's going to be so much advertisement because like dune is a hard sci-fi story like it is it's not like a, a marvel sci-fi or even like something a bit more um manageable and a bit more um digestible yeah it's proper yeah and I, I just don't see how they're going to do that and try and appeal it to a, a mass audience I honestly don't think it's that because I I don't know anything about I think I've seen the Lynch one I can't really remember um, I don't know anything about the original text I know for a fact and this is going to sound unfair I don't want to lump it in necessarily with films like this but Jupiter Ascending for example is a film that I can see a trailer for and I can go I'll give that a pop on on the cinema but because I didn't that film's now been on home video for God knows how long, what, two years? And I've still not seen it. Like, June is exactly the kind of film that I will, uh, exactly the kind of big spectacle sci-fi film that I don't need to know anything about, but I will take a punt on at the cinema. Mm. If June was sat on, um, let's say, for argument's sake, Apple TV, and it was it was eight ninety nine, I probably wouldn't pull the trigger on it. Mm. Um, and, and that's, for me personally, that is how I would that's the only way that i would consume june i think it would be in a cinema yeah yeah i know I, I mean i, I, I yeah I, I think i agree with that well i don't i don't know i mean i think i'd probably give it a go but i, I get what you're saying there it's like if you're gonna actually take the time to watch that film do it in like the optimal ways so that you can try and really yeah. click with what Nerve's actually going for there but that's also as well like if you're watching it on HBO Max, um, and you get maybe 20 minutes in it and you realise just how much like how sci-fi it is, then you can switch it off. Whereas when you can't do that in the cinema, you've paid your money, you're going to sit there until the end, even if you don't like it. So, so yeah, I mean, I, I would have watched it on home video, but I mean, I would have wanted to see it in the cinema, but I wouldn't have liked to see. it. Um, on the streaming i i yeah i just i'd be willing to put a small amount of money down now saying that dune gets a theatrical exclusive release maybe not necessarily like the 90 days as it is now but that it doesn't go hbo max on the same day um you know i i, I mean yeah, unless this new variant suddenly becomes like covid 21 or something like that you know but um I, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I've got, to, I've got to say though, like I said, I, I'm I'm worried about June. I don't I don't know that that's if I mean 
if if things if things were to continue the way they are, I don't know that audiences would come out just for June. And if things were to change and we end up with the pretty cluttered schedule of of big uh, of big block block big box office blockbusters that we would get in 2021, I just I feel like it's going to be a hard sell for a lot of people that film. For me, the only people, the only films that people are going to would come out for, even in a pandemic, is a Marvel film or a Star Wars film. Mm. Yeah. So it's like, but but the thing is, but not Black Widow, like which sounds really bad. I mean, I'm really looking forward to Black Widow, but I don't think that's a film that would get loads of people out. I don't know, you know. I think Black Widow is going to do all right. I think basically just because it's it, it, Black Widow feels safe. I think people are going to appreciate the fact that it's a character that they recognise in a a format that they're familiar with. You know, I I feel like Black Widow is people will turn out for that because it'll almost be like a dose of normality. Whereas like June is a, a sort of unknown quantity. Whereas Black Widow is just like, oh, great, it's fine. We can just go and watch that character that we know run about for two hours. And maybe there'll be some references to those things that we are already familiar with. Yeah, I don't know. It's obviously, I mean, this will be an interesting fucking uh, time uh, uh, piece. Uh, What's the fuck? Anyway. Just in terms, like at the moment, obviously we're up in the air with whether the the vaccine is going to be okay against this new variant. Probably is, but you know it is up in the air. And if that does go a bit wrong, then is that the time when you see the dominoes falling and them all going? Do you know what? Fuck it. We're just going to have to release on streaming or PVOD. Um, I, I honestly. I, it feels like it's going to come down to like the next couple of weeks in that case now. Um, like if they announce that this new, ver- like this new variant isn't dealt with by the vaccine, then, you know, you're going to start seeing no time to die in black widow fucking not. I don't think they're going to delay now. Um, they're going to come out, but it's just in what format, but we'll see what happens. And all the word is, is, Oh, you know, promising enough anyway. So, you know, we, we, we shall see. Um, should we talk about a new film that was announced? <laughs> sort of. Yeah, go on. Yeah, sort of. Um, Plumhouse are doing an Exorcist film. Yeah. To be directed by David Gordon Green. It, 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 it seems like they've got a big dartboard. That has all the names of all these different, what is it, horror franchises, big horror films, and they just walk in and go, chuck it at it and go, right, work game quickly, name a director. They've got a green, yep, exist, brilliant, do it. There's, there's 12 million. I mean, I, I, I liked Halloween enough. They must have some fucking confidence in those next two Halloween films to be give, giving him Exorcist. Um, but but that's, I mean, the thing is, I actually, if I remember correctly, I think Noah Yorkshire came off with the Halloween episode of, yeah. of Film Bastards when I was listening to it. And I, f- I felt like it was it was a bit of a middling thought on it. But like I remember going to see it. I think I saw it in a double bill with something. I can't remember what else. But I actually really enjoyed 
the new Halloween film. It, I just <laughs> dug its vibe, and I dug how, like, that, that, that fine act where people's normally fleeing, and what Jimmy Lee Curtis was doing was trying to make the room smaller to attack. And I, so I dug it. I really, really liked it. So, I mean... I feel like I might have been more anything. harsh than other people on it, but uh, I feel like I liked it the least. Does that sound? Does that uh, would I, that I be right? I absolutely liked it a lot less than Ian and Becky. Yeah, I think that probably tracks. Yeah. Like, but when you when you touch anything, I mean, especially when you touch something like The Exorcist, there's going to be some trepidation and some. Do they really need to go down this mine? But hey, I mean, he'll probably forget about any of the sequels and go down a, a different avenue, which which is which is fine, I guess. Although Exorcist Three is great, mm-hmm. but yes, to David Gordon Green, he can do horror. We've seen it, and you can always sort of mine anything from the science versus religion argument that the Exorcist brings up and stuff like that. So what do we actually know here? Do we know that it's is it a remake or is it a oh it's a sequel? Sequel. So it's it's it's, it's a sequel to The Exorcist then, not The Exorcist mm. Three, presumably. Yes. Right. So they're basically just literally doing exactly what they they did with Halloween. Yeah. Right. Okay. I mean yeah. that's it. I did I did enjoy I didn't enjoy Halloween when I saw it, but I think I was a bit too harsh on it at the time because I was expecting something a lot fresher than it actually gave me um i was expecting a bit of a fresher take and i didn't get that and i think that's where i was disappointed that said i am excited about seeing more because now i'm comfortable with the idea that they're just like all right well they're just sort of carrying this timeline on and it's not going to be too different so if they want to do that with the exorcist i mean i don't know the exorcist has always felt like a film that never really needed any sequels to me anyway so um yeah i, I do I, I i think the the other two see the other two exorcist sequels are all right um but uh i'm not overly excited but i'll watch it for sure my i suppose my hope is that because there's name recognition there they go all right we don't we you know we don't necessarily need to be like cheap jump scares and whatnot to get people in people will come for the name recognition and we get something that feels of a piece with exorcist and exorcist 3 either that or just go fucking bug nuts like exorcist 2 yeah i like i i I don't know i my worry is that it would just be a bit jump scary but i you know i broadly i trust david gordon green i broadly trust blumhouse and yeah, I mean, let's let's see what they come up with here. But I don't know. I want something legitimately scary and, you know, like scare, intellectually scary. And I know that sounds fucking pretentious, but, you know, with Halloween, it's, you know, it is stabby stabby. And it's kind of like the thrill of the chase and all that kind of stuff. The Exorcist isn't that. I mean, The Exorcist 3 is, isn't that like, it, it, you know, that's what I want from this. And let's see what happens I mean the fear would that you get something for example like The Last Exorcist or sorry The Last Exorcism that's the film isn't it with um, we saw it at Fyfest yeah, yeah. that's the but, film <laughs> but um, 
I would even like it to go down the avenue, even though, even though it's not a great film, but I like the the idea and the structure of it is something like the last exorcism of Emily Rose, where you've you, you're building off this exorcism storyline, but in a court case. That for me would be interesting. Mm, yes. Did anybody that, ever that watch the really... actual TV series? Because apparently that was quite good. Ooh, no, I didn't watch that. I, I watched a few episodes, and yeah. it was all right. I just, I just never continued with it. From what I from what I remember, I seem to remember. I think it might have been Mike that was talking about it. Actually, I think I think the it was apparently kind of a bit of a slow burn, but it was worth it. Um, which you know is not what I like to hear about a TV series a lot of time. Sure. But you know, if we're going into this and sort of going, where do we take a modern version of The Exorcist? Then that has already been done in recent years. Yeah, yeah. It's um, I don't know. I mean, we'll 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 see what happens. Um, it'll be probably with us in like a year or two, and uh, it'll be interesting to see what the casting is and kind of what just what the. I'd I'd really like a synopsis for this one, um, just to get a sense of it. But uh, yeah, I, I, interesting stuff. Um, I think that was probably about it. I'm kind of surprised we had something as big as that right before Christmas, to be fair. Was, was there anything I was missing? No, I don't think so. Oh, okay. Uh, so, moving on to trailers. Um, and who wants to get us started? I know, George, there were um, there were a couple that you, you mentioned you'd seen. Yeah. Um, I'd say first up that I saw, which looks interesting, um, which is a, a Spike Lee presentation. Which is American Skin, which looks like a drama slash thriller of a police um, killing of, of a young black man, and his father then goes on a, a bit of a um, vengeance, a bit of a spree, and breaks into a police station where that where the uh, officer who killed his son is there, and basically asks for his judgment, and especially very very timely regarding the whole well the way 2020 and george floyd and everything came out but it does look quite interesting and when you've got somebody like spike lee who is synonymous with the the that voice it's something that jumps out on the 2021 slate for me did anybody else see it which one is is that is that's not the Nate Parker one from last year, is it? Oh, let's have a look. What was it Pretty called again? Because that American was... Skin. American Skin. Um, oh yeah, it's twenty nineteen. Yeah, it's the Nate Parker one. Oh, like... a trailer came out for it two weeks ago. Yeah, it comes out in the US next year. Ah. Uh... Ah, so what's it already out on them? Uh, it's, no, I think it, it, it did a, a few kind of like festivals and stuff a couple of years ago. That oh, the, 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 the reviews are not very good. Yeah. Nate Parker is yeah. yeah. <laughs> the reviews are not good. So I thought it was coming out in 2021. Well, there we go. That's one. The other, I mean, I've got a couple. Wrong Turn is getting a remake or a reimagining. Now, the trailer looked like your normal sort of remake of a horror film, but 
is it me? The, the, the trailer makes it seem that Wrong Turn is considered a classic. <laughs> they all do that, though, don't they? And that it had an acclaimed director of Somebody P Someone, who I've never heard of. But it just sort of like, it, it really seemed like Wrong Turn was considered this horror genre masterpiece. And I can't remember back when, I mean, it was 2003 when it got released, but... Is it even seen in that high of a regard? Yeah, not for for movies around that time. I think it was it it, it seemed to be a bit of a of a gnarly kind of straight to well, it didn't go straight to DVD, but almost like the DVD like generation it, yeah. um, horror movies that kind of it, it seemed quite accessible. Like for a while, it was one of those ones where. If it was on Channel Four, it got an awful lot of views on it and stuff like that. It's a weirdly like Wrong Turn is almost like a horror movie that loads of like people will watch. Like at different times in like the past god knows how many years since it came out, both my parents have commented on that they've seen Wrong Turn and enjoyed it, and neither of those people are horror film watchers. Mm. Yeah, I think it's I one that yeah. I feel like I need to rewatch Wrong Turn. I think I mean, it's you one that. Enjoy that... Eliza Dushku if you do. True. That's true. It's it, it's a decent cast. Is wrong term. Actually, we all wrong term on um, iTunes, don't we? And on DVD. And on DVD. I think the question is, is does the like? I mean, I th- I, th- I think I'd agree. I, I seem to remember it being quite a bit, being a bit of a sleeper and being quite popular among uh, horror film community and stuff like that, but. Um, I don't know how much the franchise is. I mean, there's fucking six of them apparently. So yeah. I don't. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. I don't know how many people have seen Wrong Turn: Last Resort. So probably not many. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> how was it? It. Do you know what? I, I will say the first one's bad. The first one's very good. The second one's not great. The third one's all right. As is the fourth and the fifth and the sixth are not very good. <laughs> I do like ah. the fact that literally um, the wrong turn six laughs are unrated. There is one cut of it. <laughs> <laughs> unrated just means that they didn't submit it for a rating. It doesn't mean that it's unrated. Well, it's like that crazy shit with Possessor, where in the US it's known as Possessor Uncut. Yeah. Even though it seems like there's only one cut of it. Uh, there is an extra, I think, eight seconds of it. Oh, for fuck's sake. Yeah. <laughs> I don't Just know. One thing I will uncut, say. It's like the uncut version of A History of Violence that just has blood coming out of the guy's mouth when he stamps on his neck. <laughs> and that's it. It's exactly the same movie. It's just in one you can see blood in the one he can't. <laughs> On, One thing I will say, I was just because I know Ian brings up um, his favourite kill from the Friday the Thirteenth series at every given opportunity. Takes man out and fuck yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. My favorite, my favourite kill. Whoops, shit. Watch is talking to me. Um, my favourite kill from any slasher movie is the kill at the beginning of Wrong Turn Two, Dead End. <laughs> it's yeah. absolutely magnificent. It's where the it's by the side of the road they come out and she she's basically split in two with an axe but it's it's the moment before he splits her in two and he holds her head like he's lining up a melon to chop him up it's fucking <laughs> so good oh dear um 
Okay, no, great. New wrong turn. That uh, that could be fun. Um, we we do have the little things. Um, a fascinating film where I I mean who you know you got Rami Malek and it's like who can we cast who looks more shifty than Rami Malek? What's Jared up to? Even Jared I mean, Leto is not more shifty than Rami Malek. I mean, this is the thing. It's probably going to turn out that Rami Malek is actually the fucking killer. Bet yeah. Bex literally said that like, like halfway through a trailer. Bex turned around and went, and went. I mean, Rami Malek is obviously the killer. <laughs> There's just no way he's not. He looks like he probably kills people in real life. The thing is, 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 is and I will watch the shit out of this because it looks like it looks like Tuesday night cinema fodder, like a motherfucker. Yeah. Um, I just wish he wasn't in it. But it, it does look like it should say the little things, shit prisoners. It, yeah. It does look a little bit like shitty prisoners. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's Denzel, so it, it's. The thing is, as well, there's also a reveal in there that seems to suggest that something's going on with Denzel Washington. So we might end up with a film here where there's just all three people killing people. Yeah. All of them are guilty. (laughs) No, I reckon the twist is that Jared Leto is actually just, he's just completely innocent of everything. He's just a bit weird and has a nice car that Denzel likes with a big trunk. Yeah. The only thing he's guilty of is he's been knocking together a demo tape. Yeah, the the company is. Is that Denzel Washington is just trying to buy his car? Yeah. <laughs> I think as well. I just Denzel, although yes, I I do love him and I love his presence and and yet yeah, his vibe. But I just want to see him before he gets. Well, while he's still got his his entire mind and his sort of the machinery of his body behind him, just do another like go work with Spike Lee again. Instead of making these sort of t- sort of second tier thrillers, like we've had things like, although I've enjoyed it, like your two guns and your equalizers, I just want to see him get his teeth into something like properly meaty again. He's not quite in sort of Wesley Snipes, but Bruce Willis territory, but he's kind of getting close to uh, Liam Neeson territory. Exactly. Like, just exactly. sort of feel like he could, if he tried a little bit harder. He could like be, you know, back on the big stage. I mean, it, it, his next one is that um, Joel Cohen Macbeth one, which could be very interesting. Yeah, which is like the first Cohen to not Cohen. Ah. Yes, him and Francis McDormand, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. yeah. In that case, why is it not called Cohen Solo? <laughs> <laughs> huh? Huh? I feel like we need to keep that one in reserve to write a review about it. <laughs> I, I, I mean, to be fair to Denzel, like he's probably going to get a Best Picture nomination for producing Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Um, it, I, it may, I don't know, maybe it's just like these paychecks are helping hit pay for like the kind of the passion project shit that he's doing in the background. You know, it's like... Um, I mean, yeah, Fences I mean, wasn't that long ago, you know. And, yeah, and Fences was 2016, then you had Roman J's Real Esquire, then oh, Equalizer 2. But like, then, like, you had, but again, good, but you had Unstoppable, Safe House, Flight, Two Guns, Magnificent Seven, you have a Book of Eli in there, 
particular pillar one, two, three. I mean, that's he generally absolute he, corker. Yeah, but like again, it's like he work, when he works with Tony Scott on these sort of um, projects, I think he pops. But mm. the Equalizer, I, I saw it at the cinema. Can't remember anything about it. I saw two guns like come up on Netflix a few days ago, but don't really want to watch that again. Safe House, I don't think I've I've seen. I just want to see him like American Gangster. There is the last one where I think. Do you know what? That was his last properly great role. But actually, if you do look back across his career, it's not it's not anything new. He has always kind of done, you know, amongst the sort of Malcolm X and the Philadelphia and uh, and that type of thing. There are a lot of sort of high profile. Just I don't want to say straight to. Uh, straight to video because they're not but like they're, they're sort of just sort of like you know mainstream thriller but they're always of a high quality but he he does pepper his career with quite a lot of that type of stuff as well so it's it's nothing new really i mean he did heart condition the year the year after he did glory for fuck's sake have either of you guys seen um uh robert jerry's esquire no i don't think so no no because um, we watched it, didn't we? It, um, yeah. we, we? We all watched it. And it kind of, it seemed like it got a little bit of a, a lot of people were sort of going, why is Denzel being nominated for this? It's a bit of a nothing movie. And it's fucking brilliant. Yeah, no, that, yeah, that film is fucking great. That and, last shot is yeah. fantastic. Yeah. It's I don't a, even remember this coming out. Yeah, that, that's, it, seems, it seems quite annoying, just seemed to get... A couple of nominations with everyone being really sniffy about it. And it's like, have you actually seen it, though? It's, it's really, really good. No, I mean, it's it's the Nightcrawler guy's follow-up to Nightcrawler, if I remember correctly. Oh, yeah. Um, is it uh, Tony Gilroy, isn't oh, it? Dan Gilroy. Dan, Dan oh, is it Dan? Gilroy. I always get the two of them mixed up. Sorry. Um, but, yeah, you know, and it's fucking properly good. It's properly good, is Roman J. Israel Esquire. Colin Farrell's really good in it as well, actually. Like, really good. But that, that that's the thing. It's just like, he he just seems to bounce around a bit. And, you know, I mean, you know, he starred in a lot of Anton Fuqua films, I think probably because he likes Anton Fuqua and he just enjoys working with the guy. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, the only sequel he's ever made is Equalizer 2. You know, and it's probably, I just want to spend some time, I just want to spend some time working with this guy. You know, um, and, and, but I mean, the little things, I, I agree. It is a bit, what the fuck is he doing in this? But I don't know. The thing is, Jared Leto and Rami Malek, I can't say mm. I particularly like either of them, but they're fuck it, they're, they're pretty fucking hot properties. So yeah, you've got yeah. all three of them in a film. That film's probably going to be worthy of attention for the material, if not necessarily watching Rami Malek be just not a human again well it's all oscar winners as well isn't it yeah yeah Yeah. and you know it's written and directed by john lee hancock who did the i mean he's got a fucking fascinating career but he did did he do the highwayman or Netflix film yeah yeah yeah. so which was all right you know um so uh, yeah i mean i you know if any fucking cinemas are open in january I, I I'll go check it out. If not, to be fair, with the fucking VPN HBO Max subscription, I think I'm probably going to take out at some fucking point. Um, I'll watch the shit out of this. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah, God yeah. I'll, I'll I will I will lap that shit up. 
We like a, a, a grimy thriller, don't we? Oh, yeah. I'm all about getting the grime. I yeah. mean, you, you are Captain Grimes. Yeah, I am. <laughs> um, and a film that we really probably should be watching this week. But Amazon were like, nah, fuck it. Let's put it out on the 5th of March. Pricks. Yeah. Cray Brewer's coming to America. Which which is almost like they've gone, uh, Jeff, uh, we, we, we've got this, this, this quick America movie um, and we're going to put it out at Christmas. He's gone, now nah, I've got plans Christmas. I've gone, <laughs> right, but you do realise it's not just for you to watch. You could just watch it when you've not got plans. Nah, my next point I've got in my schedule is, okay, 5th of March, is that all right? And gone, can't we just put it out at Christmas and you could just watch it the 5th of March? No. 5th of March. It makes no sense, this. Mm. But the trailer made me smile an awful, awful lot. It feels a lot like a sequel to Coming to America, doesn't it? (laughs) Yeah, it really does. I got a little bit worried when it flashed to the barbershop and I thought, oh, God, no, is this going to not work? And then within a second of seeing the makeup and things like that, I was like, yeah. Holy shit, that literally looks like they just found some other old footage. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, I am very much up for this. I will say as well, I really, really belly laughed at the um, at the line. Um, what does he say specifically? It's after the line in the barbershop towards the end where he says, um, flies on the baby's faces and says, oh no, you can't see that. And Arsenio, the Arsenio Hall one in the background goes, political correctness. <laughs> Just <laughs> like belly laughter. Uh, the, the thing that makes me interested about this is, and you talk about um, Lee Hancock with an interesting career, Craig Brewer. Yeah. Like, hustle and floor to back Black Snake Morn to Footloose. And I don't care what anybody says, the remake of Footloose is bloody brilliant. Yeah. yeah that's really good. Um, Dolomite, Dolomite is my name, and then going straight into this to work and with Eddie again and coming to coming to America, I I really do have high hopes. I really really do. I think he if he gets the performance like Eddie Murphy, he like he did out of Dolomite is my name, and he he gets his energy right. This could be very very good. I'm looking forward to Wesley Snipes just being big as well. Yeah. 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 Um. This it. I, it's gonna be a treat, isn't it? Sorry, I, I'm just gonna blow sneeze. I have. I, yeah. I, I have. My hopes are set to this just being just like 114 minutes of just a lot of entertainment. Yeah. <laughs> I do. I think as a trailer, it works brilliantly as well. It really does. Like I say, it, it really captures the spirit of coming to America and makes you feel like you've literally you know that movie you loved and you watched the other day well now it's just carried on it really comes across yeah, yeah. i love it i love the sort of like um eddie murphy arsenio hall then a few other actors also starring eddie murphy arsenio <laughs> hall starring eddie and arsenio eddie and arsenio coming to america <laughs> well <laughs> yeah what i like about it, it also is like if you saw this trailer like and said, and obviously, if everybody's younger, he said it came out in 1989, the year after of coming to America. Yeah. It wouldn't have felt out of place. No, no. Like they've got that comedy down just right. It doesn't feel like it's been what 32 years. 
it doesn't help that it doesn't hurt i should say that eddie murphy and arsenio hall don't really appear to have aged for some reason i mean um, arsenio that in particular is yeah that's fucking crazy yeah um and you know i mean they're leaning a lot on the the makeup uh section with the i mean there's the returning characters there's a lot of sort of prosthetics and stuff like that but you gotta remember those will only be small skits in what is a a 90 minute plus movie so um god i'm looking forward to this so fucking much honest to god i really am i like the fact that john amos is back as well oh who who did he play he plays the dad. He plays the owner of McDowell's. Oh he? God, him McDowell's. Oh God, is he in there? I didn't yeah, see he's him. Yeah, back as well. My God. <laughs> is anybody else when it started though? Was anybody else listening to the voiceover and thinking, "Oh, I wonder who they got to do James Earl Jones's voice now that he's dead"? <laughs> and then when he popped up on screen, I was like, "Oh shit, no, he didn't die." He's one of those okay, things cool. where, where it, when, it, when they said that James Earl Jones was going to be in this, I was like. I mean, he dead. <laughs> it's, it's 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 a little bit like like when every year when driving home for Christmas comes on, you go, Chris Ray dead, <laughs> and nobody knows. No. <laughs> nobody knows at all if he, he dies is. in a tragic a tragic accident on the M6 driving home for Christmas. The <laughs> uh, player, what is it? No, he's not. He's not dead. No. Okay. Um, Go and see when he, when, he, when he doesn't get home for Christmas this year, all his kids just think, Dad, dead. No, no, he just got COVID-19. I didn't mean about him. I'm, just, I'm saying it's nice that he's alive. Mm-hmm. He's not dead. He's not dead, children. He's just stuck in Dover trying to get... <laughs> he's, he's, just, yeah. he, he's just in Kent at the moment. He's in Kent. In traffic. <laughs> um, have we got any others trailers? I'll mention one quickly just because it was it's not so much a trailer actually as it was more a sort of showreel of stuff was the um, the Beatles Get Back trailer oh, Peter Jackson the, thing Peter Jackson one yeah he's been, yes. he's been working on this for quite a while hasn't he yeah so he's been working on it for, for quite a while and it's um, so I'd um, I've actually I'm a huge Beatles fan I've been reading I've read quite a lot of Beatles biographies and autobiographies and this year I actually read two more and one specifically called and in the end I forget the name of the the author is is excellent and it's really it's just about like the last year or so of the Beatles and and the breakup and the the financial situation and stuff like that and a big part of that is um the let it be sessions and the whole recording of that and the whole plan to make a documentary of that um and how much stuff was shot and then how much stuff um was really negative and how and how much stuff was never seen by people and the difficulties that they had cutting it together into a movie um so obviously let it be as a movie did come out and it does exist um it came out on v it came out in cinemas and then it came out in vhs years later but it's never been released digitally. It's never been brought out on DVD. It's never been released on Blu-ray. Paul McCartney has clearly drawn a line under it and gone, I do not want this out there because it shows a very ugly side of the Beatles. Um, But uh, as the story goes, Peter Jackson sort of looked into it and found that there was, you know, I think it's 150 odd hours of, of, um, of footage that was shot. Uh, some of it audio, some of it video, and he's kind of been through it all. 
and created this trailer f- uh, sorry and created this movie which actually isn't quite as negative as everybody thought it was going to be um and it's a period of the beatles history that i'm absolutely fascinated by and the fact that you know peter peter jackson has apparently managed to um shave this down into a film that actually shows what appears to be the much more positive side of the Beatles. Like I've read so much about all the negativity around the Let It Be sessions and what came out of that and how, um, you know, how they were struggling with, um, uh, with Klein, the person who was managing all their money at the time and, and, and in, in fighting and all that type of stuff. It, it's going to be fantastic to see how, these guys work together and the magic that happens in the studio and the positive side of that and actually the great music that they produce and how all of these things appear to be forgotten when they actually get in a room together and they start they start just making music um so this was like a five minute um show reel of stuff set to a recording um of get back uh, and some other little bits and bobs as well and it just it really gives you this this flavor of who the Beatles were at this point in their life. And the idea that we can now go back to like 1969 and just spend time with the Beatles as they were in that moment and see all of this stuff that we've never seen before and see them putting together songs and messing around in the studio and forgetting all the troubles that they're having with with Klein and the management and all that side of thing. It's it's um so looking forward to this i can't tell you it's fucking fascinating stuff yeah it's gonna be fucking it, it like you say it's just gonna be a really good fascinating watch and and it's you know rewriting a whole sort of chapter of their their story everybody knows that you know let it be was a was a difficult album to put together in some respects because there was a lot of half finished songs and songs that songs that George would take forward to do his solo stuff, stuff that Paul would take forward, stuff that would end up on Abbey Road. Um, you know, there was a lot of unused and half-finished things. Um, and as such, the actual editing together of the album took a long time. And, they, you know, they, it was that's why it was sort of released after Abbey Road. Um, it, it's, it's, it's a whole period of the Beatles history, which is very, very mired in um uh, you know the the downside and the breakup and the hard times before they went off and did let it be which again was a difficult uh, challenging album for them to do but saw them sort of come together a little no no pun intended saw them sort of come together a little bit more um you know let it be is known as a difficult album that was stitched together and wasn't quite what everybody hoped for and the documentary is thought of as the same and that's why it's never seen the light of day beyond vhs so like i say just to see this and have that whole a whole other side of of choice cuts from that period um brought to the screen is just i can't fucking wait it's it, it looks beautiful and that's uh that's august next year august yeah yes okay nice. it's a long way off but i think it was i think it was supposed to be it's supposed to come out in august of this year i think um mm. so i mean i'm not being funny around peter jackson but you live in new zealand you could have fucking fixed this i could be watching it right now <laughs> <laughs> literally the one country in the world that's not got any covid cases 
I think it's um I I I think it's a Disney uh backed. Oh yeah, it is yeah. It? So yeah. yeah yeah it's um. No, it looks really interesting, eh? Um, but uh, that was great. It's good. Really nice passion there. I enjoyed that. I wish I. I honestly, on, honest to God, I swear I said this on Twitter the other day, and I mean it. If there was like there is, there are a lot of films coming out next year. If this is easily my my, my most anticipated film, I think. I'll have to have you on as Beatles correspondent. There we go. I'll come back. I'll get back. You'll get back. Yeah. <laughs> uh, have we got any others? Um, the only other one I was going to mention, um, but there's not much information out about it, so I don't know whether it's TV or film, but has anyone watched the trailer for Death to 2020? I did um, not. I avoided it on purpose because I just want to watch it. It's fast. A... <laughs> it's fast. It's got a cast. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a bit of a weird one, really. But yeah, it's it's very much. There's no information on it. There's like a very very short teaser, and that's it. Yeah. So it doesn't it, sort of give anything away then. No, no, not really. I don't think so. You could watch it, I think. Yeah, Samuel L. Jackson, Hugh Grant, Lisa Kudrow, Camille Nanjiani, Tracy Ullman, Leslie Jones. It's a cast. Hmm. Leslie Jones has got a line in the trailer that made you laugh out loud, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> About the train wreck and the shit show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was good. Uh, that was solid. Um, I get, I get the sense this is going to be like a one-hour, one-off comedy, almost like a fucking nuclear-powered version of screen of um, like uh, Charlie Brooker's Year Wife like, or whatever yeah. it was called. Yeah. Um, and. Yeah, fucking let's go. I think it. I I, I think it's streaming from Sunday. Yeah. Ooh, is it? Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, nice. Um. Okay, great. So. Well, aren't you resourceful? Come with me. No, I don't think so. Remove this woman, please. Permanently. Are you okay? I don't know. Let's talk about our main review. And, you know, it's a it's a it's a big film. Um, you know, wouldn't have thought, uh, that, you know, a few weeks back that we'd be uh, reviewing this now. But uh, we are great. This is Wonder Woman 1984, directed by Patty Jenkins, starring uh, Gal Gadot, Chris Pine, uh, Kristen Wiig, uh, Pedro Pascal and uh, and plenty of others. Uh, so uh, this uh, got a theatrical release in the UK where it was able to play uh, o- over this last weekend. It's on HBO Max and in cinemas in the US on Christmas Day and gets a PVOD release in the UK on January the 13th. So uh, this sees uh, uh, Diana Prince, Wonder Woman, played by Gal Gadot, uh, back. Uh, it's obviously 1984. And... Um, through a essentially a magical trinket uh people's wishes are being brought to life um including 
uh chris pines uh steve trevor uh returning um and Kristen wiggs barbara minerva uh wanting to be more like diana and not quite knowing what that actually meant um let's start with admiral art house jordan mcgrath how did you like this latest introspective black and white polish drama it was fine (laughs) (laughs) three word review it was fine brilliant um no um the thing is it it did some things well like the action i do enjoy um however it did some things that I mean, again, I know it's brought up quite a lot when we're talking about films, but it, the story is not complex enough for this to be a two and a half hour film. And mm. at the end, you do feel that. Um, it, it just sort of extends for, I think, this thing, we want to be epic, and epic means long, and that is incorrect. Epic means that you've got to have pace and you've got to have size. Whereas it has pace when when there's when there's action going on, but then sort of deflates after it. And I think a lot of the same issues arise in this that arise in the first Wonder Woman. And don't get me wrong. Um, as for the look and as for yeah, when when she's doing the action, it's great. But Gal Gadot is not the best actress in the world and when you she's trying to sell some of the more emotional moments it's just not really that believable and especially when you've got somebody who is such a charisma powerhouse like chris pine playing off her you just wish that there was a bit more give and take whereas you feel like some of the chris pine stuff just falls on deaf ears because as as you said, I mean, when Chris Pine took over um, Kirk, it's like he was the, the new Harrison Ford. He had he had it all. He had the looks, the charisma, and and he can deliver a performance as well. So when you've got that against somebody like Gal Gadot, yeah, it, it's it's not great. And I just felt that getting later on in the film, it gets a little bit too preachy, and. It's a fact of show don't tell. Like it had tell, it had said everything that it that the character that one of them says in a monologue at the end already within the film through its subtext where we didn't really need a, a four minute monologue where she's basically looking at the camera. I mean, leave that sort of crap. It's been mentioned a lot of this by me on this episode, but leave stuff like that to people like Spike Lee. Because in the same year, you've got Delroy Lindo delivering a monologue to screen, and you've got Gal Gadot delivering a monologue to screen. You know where um, the, the the sort of talent for that sort of stuff lies. I will add also, sorry, um, is that I, Patty Jenkins obviously has been announced as the director of Rogue Squadron now. It'd be interesting to see her direct something that the style of it 
has not been dictated <laughs> by something before. Because I know Wonder Woman is its own sort of entity. Like Star Wars. Well, yeah, way, <laughs> yeah, it is true. But but again, you got you you had uh, oh Christ, I forgot his name, Gareth Evans, direct Rogue One, which did feel Edwards. different. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but with the action, especially with Wonder Woman, which yeah, I did enjoy, but she, it's still like the style guide of Snyder. Mm. And I would like her to try and take something in her own light, whether when she's not really feeling the weight of the things that came before her. I, 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 I mean, in in what way though? Because I mean, like Wonder Woman and Wonder Woman 1984 are two very very different looking films, and the the, the general feel. The, the, action, of the action of it is very much the same. You have the speed ramps, you have the the slow motion, you have. All that sort of stuff is pretty much exactly the same. The beats within the action scenes. I felt that far more in the first one than I did. Maybe, maybe I mean, I, 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 maybe I'm wrong, but I felt that far more in the first one. The first one felt like here is a style bible. I didn't necessarily feel that with this one, but that, that that's interesting. Um, and that's me. Comic book correspondent Noel Meller. Um, yeah, who I think watched this in what looked like a town hall. <laughs> yeah, it very much was. I live on the border of. I technically live in Tier Three, uh, but I live on the border of Tier Two, and there was a nice little independent cinema in Macclesfield that I'd never been to before. So um, it was lovely in there. It was nice. It was a an old converted school that had been turned into a cinema, and yeah, no, it was lovely. I'd go there again definitely um, <laughs> if I'm ever allowed um yeah just i mean to pick up on what what we were just discussing i do think that the the 1984 element of it did feel like it was used as an opportunity to get away from the style guide a little bit um as much as you can with something like this um i'd agree with jordan that i think you know a lot of the there's a lot of similar moves in there for example and the speed ramping and stuff like that that a lot of the stuff in the action is familiar uh, but I think in terms of the overall look and feel, it did feel like a step away from the Snyderverse, if you like. Um, but um, and I will say at the beginning as well, at the beginning of the film, um, you know, once we've had the sort of flashback to um, um, shit, I forgot what it's called, to the Amazon uh, place. Um once we've had that sort of flashback and we're suddenly in the 1980s and we're in a shopping mall and Wonder Woman is doing superhero stuff in the 1980s. I was like, oh, great. This is perfect. This is just what I want. Yeah, let's have more of this. Um, but then it's sort of, apart from like, you know, the general color palette, it sort of then felt, ended up feeling like a bit of an excuse to just not try as hard. Um, I think over sorry go the on. comedy came from poking at 1980s. That's all. Yeah, and that's it's where all the comedy came from. Yeah, and and as with all these things, it's a very 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 surface level version of the 1980s. It's very. Yeah, that's it. It's, look at the neon colors. Look at the pop socks. And and it wasn't very detailed. It wasn't very worthwhile. Um, I'll come to the overall usage of 1980s as a theme because I think there's something there that they do do, and I get why they did it. But it felt like an excuse to just be a little bit lazy. Um, 
and and I think that's the overall thing for me with this is it is it's it's kind of lazy. Um, I think I get that a lot of the stuff in there is referencing Richard Donner, but you know we've already had other versions of modern superhero movies referencing Richard Donner. Um, it didn't feel like it was progressing superhero cinema. It felt like it was just treading water and doing quite simple things. Um, there's stuff in there that did work. There's moments in there that did work. I think the flight stuff kind of worked. I think the idea of using the 1980s as a framework for, you know, the answer is always more. I get it. I understand that, that, that why they why they did that. And I think it did kind of work a little bit parts tiny 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 little parts of the gal gadot chris pine stuff works a little bit um but i i keep coming back to the fact that this was a movie about a magic wishing stone and the whole point of the <laughs> film was to 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 stop the magic wishing stone yeah I was, I that's was gonna it say that. it's like there was all this speculation oh god how did he yeah. come back how are oh, they gonna god. bring back a magic wishing stone, stone. yeah, yeah. And, and and it's it's just that that whole idea of like somebody's found a magic wishing stone somewhere and when you make wishes bad things happen. I mean fucking hell, that is it's, 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 it's the most tired idea. It's Sorry. an episode of Charmed or it's an episode of Buffy. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? And I think for some of the things that it did right, you know, for some of the some of the action set pieces worked. Getting away from the the style guide and um not having a third act that's you know smoke and dust and all that type of stuff for all of the things that it did right i keep coming back to the 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 original problem that i've got with it is that it was very simple very silly and it used the 1980s aesthetic to get away with that and pull the wool over our eyes a little bit and i don't think that's good for superhero movies i think it's good for the next Wonder Woman movie, but it doesn't really feel like a progression. It just sort of feels a little bit lazy. Mm. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. It's. I, I will say the the fact I I, it, I I read a Twitter thing before seeing this that spoil the magical wishing stone element, and that's why Steve Trevor comes back. And on the face of it, I was like, that sounds like the dumbest fucking shit. <laughs> um, like, for what it's what it's driving the plot towards, like, I'm, I, I, I'm kind of okay with it. But it is fucking mental that a blockbuster in 2020 yeah. has a MacGuffin be a magical wishing stone. Yeah. yeah, and it raises uh, so many questions as well about like who is Chris Pine? Like what? I mean, the Steve Trevor character. Like what happens to that man? Like when? Like I don't understand. Like it raises so many questions. I can't get my head around. Is that Steve Trevor or is it that other man? And if so, what happens to that other man when Steve Trevor's being him? Like I none of it. I don't get it. Does anybody get that? Does anybody understand? I think he just booted out of his body, didn't he? It's Steve Trevor wearing that guy's body. But but, but, what what does he wake up? Where is he then? Hey, that was part of all that shit that happened. And he's like, what? Well, he, like, when Diana is kind of, like, running off 
before one of the greatest sequences in cinematic history. <laughs> um, 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 he says, I'll always love you, Diana, in the other guy's voice. So it's, yeah. Shit, right. Um, I'm pretty fucking certain. Like, I, I, you know, because it's, it's a little bit of a callback to when he appears and he's like, you know, uh, uh, Diana, I, I wish we had more time. And it, 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 you know, so it, it's kind of like the, the the reverse of that. Um, so yeah, I think he probably just kind of like is a little bit. What the fuck am I doing here? So, so I've got a question then. So, what happens, for example, in three years' time, in in 1987, when somebody turns around to that guy, whoever he is, and says, "Do you remember that time when everybody started making mad wishes and we all started getting what we wanted, and then there was a massive revolution and we all had to stop? All of us, every single one of us on the planet, had to rescind our wish to <laughs> fix the world. Do you remember that? Do you remember when that happened? And he's like. What the fuck are you on about? I mean, to me, to it, be... like, this sort of stuff, when you go back and you, you... Like, for example, there's not really any reason for this to be 1984. That's one of the issues as well, is because this exists already in the universe. Like, the repercussions of all of this will be seen in the following films, of course. I mean, but... but no? I, I, um, a, what about that poor fucker who just wished for a coffee? It's just like... How the fuck's that gonna? Is he just gonna have piss insert it back into him or something? I, but um, but at the end though, like well, Max he, Lords, he like got back to his table and the coffee, the top of the coffee cup fell off and just burned his cock. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. um, no, but I mean, like Max Lord, like rescinds his wish. So if he rescinded his wish, the stone would come out of him, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, like, first of all, he probably had to shit out the stone. But it's a kidney stone, he had to piss it out. Like, the old no, that should, no, that should have been the post-credit sequence. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anything would but have been better point. than that post-credit Jesus sequence. Jesus Christ, it's coming! <laughs> I mean, but if nobody... Uh, if So he rescinds his wish, which for me would then negate all the other wishes yeah. after he wished to be the, the the stone essentially so the people beforehand if they didn't rescind their wishes they would still have those wishes but those wishes were i mean like that one guy wished for the coffee that that was probably about it eh? well that's so the thing. we have to see everybody rescind their wish because i think and this ties to what i was saying the reason that they put this in the 1980s is because they wanted to be able to include lines like the answer is always more and they wanted to be able to address the fact that you know uh, the 1980s were about greed you could have anything you wanted but there are consequences to having anything you wanted and that's what the whole film's about so i get it but by having everybody in the world rescind their wish that's ridiculous yeah, because not everyone's going to do that. No, no. It's ridiculous. Yeah, if it was just that he had to rescind his and then all the subsequent ones were negated, yeah. then fine. But, yeah, it's just it, a dark thing. And the lady in the chippy, because all English people are racist. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, 100% get that. And I, I'll turn to Mark and Bex in just a second, because I realise I haven't gone to them for their thoughts yet. But I 100% get that. And I get the feeling that I'm... Oh, thank you very much. That I'm probably going to be the most positive on this film out of the lot of us, I think. But it's the fact that at the end of the film, 
it's Diana basically going out there with that message that, you know, is essentially going out the, to the entire world. I know the practicalities of it are insane, but it's also a film called Wonder Woman 1984. So I, there, there's an element of it where I say, fuck it. But it's going out to everyone basically saying, look, the world is shit. We all have to deal with bollocks. But let's just let's just do it. Let's just admit that we're going to have to live through it. So the film is like, yeah, everybody does rescind their wishes. And it practically it doesn't make sense. But again, this is a film about a magical wishing stone in in, in the parlance of Patrick, Patrick Willems. It, you know, it's space wizards. You know, let's you know, it's so that, that but and that's the thing I I, I, I feel I can let that go because this film has one of the greatest cinematic sequences in history and a bunch of other shit i really enjoyed so you know that that's fine but uh vex your thoughts on wonder woman 1984 um yeah i mean it's a bit of a weird one i didn't really like the first one so i wasn't super psyched for the sequel anyway but i do like chris pine so you know there's that um i really enjoyed it to start off with up to a point it's very it's very good fun and the the little 80s nods and things like that i enjoyed that um steve trying on the various different outfits i enjoyed that i could watch two and a half hours of of chris pine pretty woman yeah yeah i could watch that so but then it just it all goes a bit dc in its in its preachy miserableness and it's it, it i just don't need that from a fucking comic book movie I don't need Gal Gadot sitting there and, and fucking preaching really, really slowly to everybody about why they should rescind their wishes. It stops being fun. And it's about when Chris Pine goes, isn't it? When, when she goes and does her completely pointless fucking flying through the air with a magic flying whip. Uh. Um, <laughs> oh, God. That was, that was a sound. Was that? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, the... the yeah. I, I, I enjoyed like the first part of it and then it just really went downhill for me. And it was like when she was doing that monologue bit, like I was like, what did I take out of the freezer for dinner? <laughs> Fucking hell, what are we having? And I, I just essentially it, it just went on too long. Um and I zoned out a bit, to be honest, mm. um, with that bit. But I think um what's his face? The baddie. <laughs> Pedro, Pedro Pascal, Pascal yeah. yeah, Maxwell Lord, yeah. He's very good as like the completely like the the, the fact that he gradually gets more and more unhinged. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it's very well done. Um, quite like quite like Kristen Wiig in it. Um, and her her gradual kind of progression from totally buttoned up science lady to just skank, then mm. to a cheater. <laughs> Um, because she never actually wishes to be a cheater, does she? She wishes to be an apex predator, and it's like like the stones just fucking interpreted it and gone, yeah, cheater. Why? I think well, has big... got has gone cheater. Why not? Yeah, but it, well, to be fair, it takes the thing takes away the thing from you that you most cherish, and that's like essentially that's her humanity. It's her warmth so you say she's just really passionate about body hair removal and it just fucks with her that way 
And yeah, all, all that, well, you know, was, I mean, the, why the not? Thing, well, for me, it was that <laughs> her, her one thing that she loved more than anything was the fact that she fit in again. Whereas now she's a goddamn cheater. She's got to fit in anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just Googled Apex Predator, and the first thing that comes up is a killer whale. That would have been way more interesting. <laughs> that would have been fantastic. <laughs> now, that I would watch again. Right. <laughs> that, that first bit when she jumps up on a pile of it, it's just a big flop of a <laughs> whale just eating it. Like in um, what's it, Hitchhiker's Guide when the whale falls and it just goes. You know, that would have been great. Um, you know, sorry, and also her character, Kristen Wiig's character, in the fact that, again, it's just, it seems to be so lazy. It's like, the one thing that was like, I want to be popular, it just felt so juvenile. Yeah. 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 I think the one thing I will say is... Shit out of all of you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was just going to say, the one thing I will say is, is another thing that I think the film did right uh, in terms of not necessarily doing something new but doing something different to what we've seen more recently was having and you know it takes a little bit from maybe from this from the Raimi Spider-Man films just having this idea of there's there's some people here in the middle and they have a relationship with each other and all of this is spy all of this action is spiraling out of that you know the fact that Kristen Wiig knows Gal Gadot and and there's a relationship there and and Pedro Pascal is part of this. It, it felt a bit smaller and it wasn't like a, there wasn't just some giant threat somewhere that had to be dealt yeah. with. It was all sort of spinning out of this. Um, I mean, you know, in some respects, some people would say that that is often difficult to believe. I know that's a an issue that people have had a lot in the past with Spider-Man films, in particular the, the Mark Webb ones. But, um, you know, I like the idea of going from Justice League to something that's a little bit more on a sort of, let's say, Ant-Man level, um, where, you know, there's a group of people and all of this action and terror is spinning out of, of things that they are all dealing with. Um, and, and I think, you know, the fact that for a long for a long part of the film, Kristen Wiig's character is friends with Gal Gadot and, and, and she only really becomes not the big bad, but the, you know, the, the, the semi big bad uh, quite far into the film. So it allows you to understand their relationship and kind of get to like their relationship and see how um, they're being prized apart a little bit. Um, so I think it, di- it does, like I say, it does stuff right. I think Chris Pine is fine. Although uh, a lot of his stuff is just look at the funny trousers Um I think Kristen Wiig was great in it. I think she was probably uh, probably the best thing in it, although I'd say Pedro Pascal as well. Um, as always, I could have taken a little bit more of Robin Wright. Um, so I think there was there was a lot of good stuff in there, and the people involved were, were doing decent work. It's just, it just needs some work on the fucking story. Mark. I think I'm closer to you, Ian, than I am to everybody else. Thank God. Um, <laughs> in the sense that I really like the... I, 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 I don't need to see anything else set on female Wakanda or whatever it is. Amazonia, is it called? Uh, it's not called that, but I can't remember it off the top of my head. Um, yeah, I don't need to see any more there. I, 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 we, we've had just that. call it female Wakanda? Yes. <laughs> right, okay. I don't need any more of that, right? 
Um, I don't know if that's sexist or racist, but it's one of It was an impress, impressive go. Yeah, Jesus. Um, Themyscira, Mark. Themyscira. <laughs> that place. <laughs> the third Genesis album. Um, <laughs> so, but then when it drops you into the 80s, and it, it very much is trying to look like an 80s movie, I, I think, like you said, no, I was like, all right. Now, this could be a lot of fun. And the fact that that first kind of heist bit, you got like an almost 80s genre bad guy who's running around just wiggling his head an awful lot. He's wiggling his head and seeming very excited that he's robbing somewhere. I quite liked that. It then evokes sort of like that, you know, that, that early scene in Commando that's set in the shopping mall and everything swinging around and shit like that. So I was I was down with that, um, and I I didn't really get on with the first uh, Wonder Woman movie. I don't see why everybody thought it was that good, to be honest. Um, and I think overall with this, I absolutely agree. I think the story is is weak, but I kind of like the fact that it's a magic wishing stone. I like that because why the fuck not? I prefer that than it be anything more. What is it? I also like the fact that the film itself almost calls out how shit an idea it is by Chris Pine's character going, oh, it's like the monkey's paw. And it's like halfway through filming it, they went, why didn't we just use a fucking monkey's paw? And we could have gone, wait a minute, this monkey paw thing's real. And that would have worked. It would have been as stupid, but at least it would have made sense. Um, The... The fucking Pedro Pascal um, trumpiness of it was too much of a fucking. We get it. it, it that started to irk me a little bit um, throughout it. The the dynamics of how that worked, I found a little bit weird. It, they, they seemed to play a little bit loosey goosey with that, with how with how he decided and how the the stone thing decided what wishes what what was wishes at the start of it. Literally, he had to hold up to somebody and get them to say "I wish." By the end of it, he had to just literally put his hand on them and go, "You want this to happen, don't you?" And they go, uh, "Well, maybe, maybe." And he go, "Brilliant! There you go. I'm having your dick and your facial hair." <laughs> and then he, 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 he will off the guy go. You can see what's important to Mark. <laughs> Brilliant. I'm having your dick in your facial hair. <laughs> that was a, yeah, a deep insight into my shallow soul. I also have a better ending for this movie. I'm sorry, I just had to mute my mic. That was fucking perfect. Well done, <laughs> Though. Um, I have a better ending for the movie that I thought I thought it was something else. You know, when she's doing the monologue and um, and it's got all the monologue and everything like that. I thought at this point when she goes, "I'm not talking to you," I thought it was going to cut to a scene of his kid because his kid wished to have what he has. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. That and I thought it was a cut to a scene of the kid and the kid was going to essentially say, Daddy, I want you to stop. And that was going to be the end of it. And I thought, that's really fucking quite clever because they've said that earlier on and they've gone nowhere with it so far. Mm. Yeah. And that, all right, I'm all right with that. And then they don't. 
It's just she's talking to everybody. Yeah, and she, she carries on for another like yeah. 30 minutes. Well, that's why this movie's two and a half hours long because Gal Gadot speaks incredibly slowly. Right? Another negative, but I'm going to get to a posit- my, my positives in a minute. Another... I, think, I think my alternate ending to the film is better, though. What? The one where, uh, where, where literally, as that guy who no one will believe is not CG created, who is Steve Trevor, <laughs> real life Steve Trevor. He's not uh, a real person. Walk, walks off. Uh, what, was, what was your ending there, Becky? She, she just turns to him and says, I've ridden your dick, and then walks away. Yep. Nice. That's a bit rapey, really, when you think about it, isn't it? She has. And he had no like way to consent to that. It was his body. That is true. With her ghost boyfriend possessing it. It is. It is a little odd. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know the big, the big action sequence uh, along that that big strip of road in Egypt. <laughs> it's going to be about the children. It is going to be about the children. <laughs> right. So the yeah, big yes. Bit, yes. Yes. I've forgotten about those children. Yes. Go on, right. Go on. Is she's got to save those kids. Right. Yeah. Why aren't those kids just getting out of the way? They are playing on a road for a start off, but they have a lot of time to get out of the way. Yeah, it's a lot of time. And oh, one no, of those Mark, parents should literally go, wait, wait, kids. No, 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 no. They couldn't see the they couldn't see the convoy of army trucks that were coming towards them because of all the buildings that were there. Oh wait, no, it was a desert. Literally <laughs> a desert. So yeah, so there's all that. But Take away all of that, I do think that the movie is fun overall. And I do, I'm thinking back on it, and with these same movies, I look back after it and go, right, would I watch it again? Yeah, I will absolutely watch that again. Would I watch the first Wonder Woman movie again? God, no. Mm. But this one, I, I would, because it's, it, it is overall fun and it, it allows itself to be a bit playful and it is a bit silly and I kind of quite like that it's a little bit silly mm. um, and Kristen Wig getting to fully wig out was quite cool so yeah when did you think that one was? oh like when she cast <laughs> literally been starring that one away um, Ian you really liked this didn't you? yeah I did yeah um, I liked the message of the film an awful lot um as a uh, i think i alluded to earlier on um it feels like a film where they were like Do you know what dc aren't really making us shovel in a load of stuff to set up future <laughs> films we can just kind of do our own thing um I thought you were going to say, do you know what? DC don't really know what the fuck they're doing, so let's just make a movie we want to make. Well, but I mean, to be fair, I think there's an element of that. Yeah, I do, yeah. yeah. And, you know, it's like, fuck it, let's have a magical wishing stone, which I think the context in which they explain it within the film, I think works. Like the whole you know uh, civilizations crumbled whenever this thing appeared because it got in the hands of a leader who just wanted more 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 and would never renounce it and so the civilization was destroyed i you know i i I think do you know what all right then fair enough i think the the whole kind of like destabilization of the world through the film is 
like really well done like that the whole kind of the the guy wishing that his people would reclaim that that land and then what that actually means in practical terms not a million miles away from let's take back control and then you look at the confluence of circumstances that are leading to uh farage's garage uh in kent at the moment um it you know it, it's I, 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 which it obviously wasn't intended. I, I, I think that it's got some interesting shit going on in it, which unfortunately does have some silly stuff around it as well. I will say, I think that Patty Jenkins is putting a metaphorical dick on the table and saying, look at my fucking budget right at the start there with, you know, with that sweeping, uh, theorem skewer or whatever it's called. Uh, stuff. I think I, I thought that stuff was great. Um, and yeah, female I mean, Wakanda, I think it's called. Female Wakanda, yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Can um, I say one thing as well? Patty hmm. Jenkins loves a shot where things are running towards the screen and the camera goes the opposite way. How many times that happens is ridiculous. Ah, oh, but that's. I mean, I, I, I think that's fun stuff personally. I, I, I don't know. I mean, like, it feels to me like Wonder Woman was a film where she was being kind of kind of told what to do but being allowed to get like the performances that she wanted to get and whatnot wonder woman 1984 feels like her film for better or worse and it 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 feels like a film which is trying to be hopeful and it's trying to be optimistic it's got some old school flavor to it and you know does it all necessarily work in 2020 maybe not but for me, subjectively, it worked. And the boner on the cake is the uh, the flight sequence where the music starts. And I'm thinking, yeah, Hans is going a little bit fucking derivative here, isn't he? Like, OK. And then it builds. So it's like. Right. If this next note is what I think it is, then it's Boner Jams 2020. And then it was. <laughs> um, And I don't know whose choice it was, but I fucking love the idea that someone, Hans Zimmer or someone else went, what is the perfect music for this sequence? Oh, it's nothing I can do. Let's get the music from Sunshine and let's put it in this fucking film to really fucking ram home how dramatic and fucking earth-shattering this is for Diana. Um, and I mean, that that music has been used in multiple things uh, in, in, in the past since Sunshine. But I thought the combination of the music and the, the imagery, I mean, and, and, and Bex, Fair play, you didn't get anything out of this sequence. But for me, her fucking, like, weird melancholy rage uh, when she goes up in the sky there and then and then her her flying and then the riding, the, the, the lightning, it. I, I, I you know, I've, I've, I obviously I'm fucking in the tank for this, but I thought it was it was rather fucking staggering. It's. I'm with you on that. Well, I'll I'll agree with you on that. I think from the perspective of purely from the perspective of 
of comic book fan watching um that part of wonder woman be a thing you know because in some uh, in some contexts wonder woman can't fly in other contexts she can but obviously we've not seen it in this we've seen her do stuff that's pretty close to flying like jumping uh you know leaping tall bounds uh, leaping tall buildings in a single bound and all that type of thing but like the actual introduction of flight in this first off as as in that sequence and how that sequence works i think it was beautifully done i think it was really nicely done secondly how it's done in the context of how she explains that you know she's never quite understood it and it's it's the whole it's the thing that that powers um steve trevor and stuff like that how all that connected i did really like that i thought that was great that worked really well for me um so yeah no i definitely agree that as a comic book fan seeing that come to life worked really well and was handled really well oh one thing i didn't mention actually very much enjoyed her making the jet plane invisible (sighs) that that was that was literally my next point was that i didn't need to see the invisible (laughs) (laughs) there we go different strokes yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean that, that's the thing though. I mean, I think it is a case where it is um it is different strokes, you know. I mean like the, the reviews online are kind of all over the place for this. Um, you know, uh, it, it when the initial kind of tweets came out, it was people talking about how fucking incredible it was. And then predictably as the reviews have come out, it's been like do you know what there are other opinions here. Um but I, I I have seen some calling it like a major disappointment, and I I I, I don't know. I just I don't ne- I don't know what people were necessarily expecting. But no, yeah, I, I, the, the, is that... the story is silly. It's silly, and it's yeah. been a while since we've had a comic yeah a comic book movie where it's been silly but maybe not really quite acknowledged that it's silly but that's it i think i i i feel i've got the feeling i've been overly negative on it um but that i think that is the silliness of it but i, I mean I, I, I gave it three out of five on letterboxd because it did pretty much exactly what i thought it was going to do but there was elements within it that i just thought yet like the wishing stone like when that got brought to someone higher up in warner brothers or dc they should have said think of something better because that is just ridiculous to have nowadays it really is like the fact that the the entire film like for example like i actually thought because there's a whole sort sort of thing played around about like oh it's it's an evil god and i know they probably couldn't go down that road again with it with like a god who is possessing a, a human but I thought that's where i thought it was going to go like the god that created the stone was going to come into it somehow but we don't but, but it's it's it, it this is the thing there's a lot of stuff out there that can be done there's a lot and i feel like i'm repeating myself but there are a lot of great stories out there that can be told, whether they're Wonder Woman stories or they're other stories. There are a lot of great things that have happened in comics for decades and decades and decades that we can tap into. When it comes down to writing a script uh, for a comic book movie 
and you come up with the idea of a magical stone, somebody needs to go, you know what? I think yeah. people might be a little bit bored of magical stones. We've had a few of them recently. It, that's the point where you have to sort of go, it, it, recognize that people thought Wonder Woman, the first film was great. How do we make that better? How do we make that smarter? How do we progress superhero cinema and female fronted superhero cinema as well how do we make that better how do we do better rather than just relying on old tropes from the richard donner superhero days and getting away with silly things like wishing stones because it's the 1980s how do we make that better and i think that's that's they've not done that the the overall thing for me that i would agree with with when it comes down to the reviews is that i do think this is a better film than the first wonder woman movie but i kind of think that's damning with fake praise a little bit as well sure. what i wanted this to be was you know the first wonder woman movie's fine the first couple of the, the first two acts are fine and then it's sort of you know we know what it devolves into after that this was an opportunity for me to to recognize for patty jenkins to recognize how important that film is seen to have been and how well received that film was and go all right let's build on that and do something truly great and they didn't. They made a film that a superhero movie that probably could have been made ten years ago. Yeah, I mean, I I I wonder if how high on it I am. Well, I I I I have been is also just because I was watching this big film in a cinema, first big film I'd seen in a cinema in a while, and also kind of knowing in the back of my mind don't know when I'm going to be able to do this again, mm. you know, and I, 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 I kind of wonder whether I just got more enjoyment out of it for that, but I, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that though. I no, mean, that's, that's, good. That. That's, that's, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that's the thing. And I mean, like, it, it's just, I really, really enjoyed my two and a half hours with this. And I'm looking, I actually, I honestly, I'm looking forward to watching it again. Um, And the magical wishing stone stuff. I, for me, they get away with with the explanation of what it is but yeah it's a magic the thing is it, it, it for those who haven't seen it and are just listening to the spoilery stuff we're not we're not like we're, we're not just taking the piss it's <laughs> literally a magical wishing stone but again i think like the reason they get away with that is because they're going for the tone of a of, of a, a 1980s super, Superman movie where it's perfectly feasible yeah. that Gene Hackman could have got hold of a magical wishing stone. And, you know, what I mean, like, like the fact that they that they said it in the 1980s and they built it around the idea of greed and wanting more and stuff like that allows them to get away with a magical wishing stone. And I just wish we weren't trying to get away with things now. I wish we were progressing things and doing better things. Yeah. But then at, at the same time, you enjoyed it for what it was and seeing it in the cinema and stuff like that. I'm always overly critical of this stuff. And I always end up coming on this podcast and going, well, this was fucking bullshit. And then six months later going, actually, I really quite like this, you know, maybe it was a little bit too harsh. Do you know what though? If we can just get back to a reality where we all see Venom, let there be carnage in the cinema and just go, that was fucking awful. Jesus Christ. What the fuck was that? Why did I bother going to see that in the cinema? Then we'll know that 2021 has righted itself. Well, there's a strong chance that the next time I'm I'm on your podcast, it'll be for Morbius. So that day could come pretty soon. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Shit, yeah, that's March, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Um, feels like we're wrapping up. Has anyone got anything else to say? If uh, I'm just going to say definitely not shit, and then the floor is yours. Uh, definitely not shit. Oh. It's definitely not shit for me. I, I enjoyed the first part of it well enough to to have enjoyed it overall, I think. Uh, I'm going to go touching cloth myself. I mean, I give it three out of five, so that for me, on on, on average, is definitely not shit. Uh, but the, the it does have a little bit of porking through. Mm. <laughs> uh, well, our audience board, definitely shit 71%, touching cloth 21%, and shit 7%. It's poking through, literally, not literally the definition of touching cloth. It's, it, it hasn't quite... Not came like out of the cheeks. See, I I refer to that as turtle's head. Maybe you need turtle's head as a no, as a no, no more ratings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it sliding out, but it hasn't it, it hasn't escaped the cheeks in touching cloth yet. Yeah. We're not li- we're not introducing the rating for two point <laughs> seven five out of five. <laughs> we're splitting we're splitting turds there, guys. <laughs> splitting turds, nice. CS3P Combat Player 1, choose your character Tired of film and television podcasts where the hosts exist in a blissful state of agreement? Player 2, choose your character While you're in luck Hunter Round 1, fight Allow me to introduce you to the Chinstroker vs. Punter podcast, featuring two film and television fans from Birmingham, England, who enjoy their media in very different ways. But anyway, that brings us to the end of the plot of Blue Velvet. The plot. I mean, the main characters are two of the dullest main characters I have ever encountered in any film. So join us as we catch up on what we've been watching from our own very different perspectives. Double KO. Round 2. Fight. You can find us at csvsp.libson.com, also on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, all the places that podcasts can be found. It just really It's isn't. not visually striking. No. no just, just getting confirmation. It's just in That's the third time, though. I mean, am I, is this on? Have you ever wondered what so-called family films will scar your kids forever? putting four or five year olds in front of this movie it's like if they didn't know what death was before this they're going to know it after it they're going to know it after it and they're going to be freaking terrified they're going to be questioning you or do you have the slight suspicion that your loved one has a cold dead heart yeah the Dark Knight has got all the orphans and like oh no we're going to die they did not build up those orphans at all in my head it's like kill them then look no further the His Film Her Movie podcast is the show for you. It's the movie podcast that celebrates the contrasting cinematic tastes of its hosts. So join Jordan and Lauren every week on their unique journey through the land of the silver screen. So if you're looking for a few laughs, some fun film-related chat, then get involved. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. come in here, call you a boy, tell you to get up off your ass and rehearse it. You ain't had nothing to say except, yes, sir. <laughs> I can say yes, sir, to whoever I please. What you got to do with it? I know how to handle white folks. I've been handling them for 32 years. Now you going to tell me how to do it?
Just because I say, yes, sir, don't mean I spooked up by him. I know what I'm doing. Let me handle it my way. Well, go on and handle it then. You know, you're always messing with somebody. Always agitate somebody with that old philosophy bullshit you be talking. You stay out of my way about what I do and say. I'm my own person. Just let me alone. All right, all right, Levy, you right. I apologize. Ain't none of my business you spooked up by the white man. <laughs> all right, see, that's the shit I'm talking about. Y'all back up and leave Levy alone. Oh, come on, Levy. We was all just having fun. Tell you the way he said nothing about you. He ain't said about me. You just taking it all wrong. <laughs> ain't meant nothing by it, Levy. Levy got to be Levy. And you don't need nobody messing with him about the white George, I, I, I mean, do you, with Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, would you like us to... Just go non-spoiler. Um, Honestly, you do do what you do what you do. I mean, I'll probably end up watching it, but maybe not for six months, so I'll probably forget whatever. I, I, I yeah, okay, we'll get we'll, we'll get into it. Um, yeah, we'll get into it. Okay, so uh, everybody ready? Yeah. Is the spoiler that, is it the spoiler that is actually a white bottom? <laughs> oh yeah, no, absolutely, yeah. It turns out the um the bottom that they're referring to is that actually Oprah. Went through wow. a brief. she makes a surprise last minute cameo, <laughs> and uh, it's I think my end is thrown. Oh, okay, yeah, no, I think I'm back. Am I back? You're back. I'm back. Okay, I actually might turn off my video. And um, Jord, I love seeing your visage, so don't don't feel the need to. Um, but <laughs> I'm going to turn it off for now just because I think my um, bandwidth's being a bit nutty. Um, Lottie's playing Minecraft on her iPad with a couple of friends. So uh, I think my uh, route is having a fun time with that. So let's go. Let's do some black bottom. Right. We're here. Um, God knows what order this show's going to be. It's going to be a fucking hot mess. So, Jord is here, Noel's not here, and we're recording this bit before the start. <laughs> um, so, that there that you would have just heard was a clip from Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, or a trailer from Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. It's, it's very hard with Netflix films to find clips online sometimes. Um, because if it's not like one of their big deal ones, you'll get the trailer, but that's about it. But if it's one of their big deal ones, then you'll find you'll find all sorts of stuff. Now, Mar Rainey Black, Mar Rainey's Black Bottom, I think is probably one of their big deal ones. But I, I, I yeah, I, I, I don't know. We, we shall find out. But yeah, if you ever wanted to know why sometimes it's a trailer, a trailer, and why sometimes it's a clip. It's basically because of that. But this is Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. It is directed by George C. Wolfe and stars uh, Viola Davis, Chadwick Boseman, Coleman, Domingo, Glyn Turman and Michael Potts. It's the story of a recording session for a new um, album by Ma Ma Rainey, played by um, Viola Davis, who is a... A tricky character um, who has an awful lot of demands and whatnot. Um, And it alternates between her and um, her backing band. And uh, in particular, a character Levi played by uh, 
uh, Chadwick Boseman, um, a trumpeter who thinks he's ready for the big time. He thinks he's hot shit, but is he cold diarrhea? Becky, what did you think of Ma Rainey's Black Bottom? Um, do you know, what? I really enjoyed it. To be to be to be fair, it's chaotic um, and situations escalate incredibly quickly. It literally is a a, a a visual embodiment of wow, that escalated quickly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, which it, it's quite jarring when you're watching it. When you, it's just like it's very like chill ambiguous situation and then everyone's kind of like up near the roof shouting screaming at each other after about 20 seconds um but it's very very well performed um like everyone that's in it is, is very good um and i think that it saves it um i think with weaker performances with that kind of um rapid switch in tone that happens like a few times to be fair through the film i think it would be you'd just be like this is bobbins um but it's saved by the performances yeah 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 i think that's fair um mark uh, yeah it's you're very well aware um that it's based on a play is what i would say mm-hmm. yeah, i didn't think that was i didn't think that was that bad in this one like if we're comparing it to um the other one that we watched earlier this year that was one night in miami yeah yeah but you see i don't think that was evident in that which is quite strange mm. I, I, but i i think i'll rephrase what's been there it's more the bits with the band feel yeah. very much like they're a play yeah whereas the the marini bits the downstairs bits feel like they're a band and the upstairs bits feel more film wise there yeah um, true yeah I was actually quite uh, surprised at how how little Ma Rainey's actually in it. Mm. Uh, it, it. It should be called um, Le- Levy Green's Wandering Trumpet or something like that. <laughs> uh, because that's pretty that's appropriate. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's it, he. It, he's the main character. Mm. Um, she's very good as Ma Rainey though. Like the 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 kind of vibe that comes off her is like palpable yeah it? like but, you would not fuck with Marini. but it's one of the things i think i think viola davis and i, I always say anytime we talk about viola davis in anything viola davis has quietly been the best thing in anything she's in for 20 years without people mm. really ever realizing yeah um and she continues to be incredible here um but yeah it's the thing is you look at chavik boss now and knowing what we know now you do look at it and go geez he does not look well mm. um it's quite jarring it is yeah because obviously yeah other stuff he's been in he's, he's, he's got he's got a physicality to himself yeah, yeah and it, it's not there he's very very good in it but it does i think like you said there bex it does go from like Zero to two three. to eleven yeah. really quickly in those scenes, and you do. I want to go. I can see why this worked really well in a in a play, but there's maybe it, the weird thing is it's ninety four minutes long, and I don't think this movie needs to only be ninety four minutes long. I, I usually say the opposite of what I'm saying now. 
Uh, and I'll, later on, we talk about... You're our, a big fan of the 90-minute movie, Not later you? on, earlier on when I spoke about, or later on when I spoke <laughs> about uh, another film. Um, I'll, I'll have either said, or I will say, that it should have been a bit shorter. Yeah. Um, but I could have watched another 20 minutes of this, just kind of fleshing out the, the characters a little bit more. Well, and allowing the like the situations that do escalate to escalate a, a, like a... I, I kind of wanted a one, natural kind one of the other band guys just to go to him. Whoa! Chill out, bruh! Because it, it does go off a little bit. It's it's very... It, it, the problem is the film. It's very, very good. It's just tonally a little bit um, spiky. It's, <laughs> it's whiplash. That's yeah. that 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 that's that's what it is. It's just you're settling into it, and then bang, here comes Jack with Bozeman with an incredibly sad monologue. Yeah, and then bang, here's Viola Davis entertainingly giving her manager shit. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I, you know, it, it, and it's con, it's constantly like just all over the place. Which I think, and it does feel theatrical. That's the thing. It feels like on the stage, all this kind of like heightened stuff with the live energy of seeing those people there, I think may, especially the ending, may work better than seeing it on film. Where I I, I went to see it with uh, with my friend Paul um, on the trip that led to him having to self-isolate for 10 days. And again, I'm so sorry, Paul, I swear to God, I wasn't symptomatic on the fucking day, buddy. And you know that, um, um, and he dealt with it like a trooper, but I looked at him and was just like, fucking hell. Like, (laughs) wow. Like blimey, you know? And, and he was just like, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Just, we both left it a bit just like I don't quite know how to process that because of that film, like you said, is the definition of that escalated quickly. You, you and, don't be standing on Chadwick Boseman's shoes. Oh, fuck. Gee, like, Jesus fucking Christ, do not stand on that man's shoes. Um, but no, I mean, like the, the physicality of him, it's bizarre. It's like he was preparing for a role as a marathon runner or something like that. You know, like it's weird because if you didn't know the context it would just be like fucking hell he's got like zero percent body fat that must be for a role yeah, you, yeah that, that's that's what you said didn't you Rex? you'd say if, if you didn't know the story of what was going on in his, didn't know the story of the film in fact that you, you and you didn't and it wasn't what sadly had happened to Chadwick Boseman you would be watching it going right when's it going to come out that he's a heroin addict yeah and that's that you know, yeah. it, but it would have done. You'd, you'd have been constantly looking at that because it's such a, it, it, it's noticeable. Um, it's an odd one because obviously everyone's, everyone that was working with him at the time and stuff has been coming out saying you know, he kept it so close to his chest nobody knew and it's like, how? It, it is. It's. I mean, it, it's sad because he's he's very very oh, good. Really at good in it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He I, I, I do think there's a little bit too much. He bounces a little bit too much, but I don't think that's him. I think that's the the film. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 the material that he's being asked to perform. Mm. It's not it's not necessarily this. And just going back to the previous point, um, 
you guys were talking about about the theatricality of it i think the difference with one night in miami is there's quite a long section in one night in miami before they all meet up mm. and then it does get like yeah okay i could see how this is like based on a play but before that you're setting up the characters you're in different places the camera's moving around more um and then at, at the end with one night in miami you've you got that sam cook bit which is fucking sensational um here yeah it's it's the stuff with the band in the room mm. where it is just like yeah you can see how oh, that's a stage play but i i, I yeah i mean I, I i don't know i mean like i'm I wasn't wowed by Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. It, it, I, I might have been mildly disappointed, in fact. But, um, and I, you know, but then again, I think that's maybe because of what I thought it was going to be going in. And I thought it was basically going to be like Chadwick Boseman versus Viola Davis throughout like the entire thing. Yeah, and I was, I was ready for that drama. I, I was a little bit like that. It, 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 I was about sort of, because I mean, you're going aware that it's only 94 minutes long. Mm. I got about 40 minutes into it and was like, hang on a minute, is this all set in this place? It must be. Mm. All right. That this is a lot smaller scale than it was. And I'll be honest, I didn't know it was based on a play at the time at that point. And I thought this and I thought this must be based on a play. And so when we paused at one point to have a drink or something, I quickly checked and was like, yes, all right, that that makes sense to me now. I can I can I can box that off that that it, it, it doesn't just feel like a play, it's based on a play. That makes sense. Yeah, I like that about it though. That's fine. I, I didn't. I don't think it's a problem for it, but I think it does. It does. You, you can certainly feel that towards oh, yeah. it. Um, but then I think the the, the the musical numbers don't go on long enough. Yeah. You never get a full musical number. Out no, of it. no. It's always like bits of a musical number. Only you do get one. Yeah. When they play Black Bottom, and it turns out they haven't actually recorded it when she finishes. I don't think you get the full version of it, though. Do you not? No, I don't think you get the full version of it. But that, but then you've got great moments like that kid with the stutter trying to do the intro to it, and you, you, when he when he gets it right, you are genuinely really happy for him. It's like an air punch moment, isn't it? But it's the fact that they all. Yeah, Sylvester. Woo! The fact that they all stop for a second and then realise, shit, we need to go now. (laughs) I mean, it's no. I mean, it's interesting because it's. It's basically Denzel Washington produced this and he's looking to adapt um, all of August Wilson's Pittsburgh cycle um, and like get them on the big screen. So Fences was was one of them. And and, and so is Ma Rainey. And there's there's quite a few more. And it had a big deal with HBO, didn't they? Oh, I don't know, really. That's yeah, a deal with HBO to do. I think it was 10 of, 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 of these um and fences was the first and yeah, then Rainey was supposed to be the second i believe um and then um yeah that ended up getting bought out by netflix instead yeah i i, I mean it's um I'd, I'd like to see more of the uh, more of these because it's top quality stuff i mean i will say i i prefer fences um yeah i there's just there's i suppose there's more meat on the bone there um fences i think fences is is a is a little bit underrated i think it kind of got a little forgotten about i think it's it's a it's a really fucking good film yeah yeah it is yeah um at the same time as something else similarly themed that stole its thunder a bit 
I think it just came out. It just it came out just a little bit meekly. It didn't like burst out or anything like that. Yeah. I think it just. I don't think it quite got the the fair traction it it, it should have got. Um, I mean, it was so it was nominated for best picture. Al Davis won best supporting actress for didn't she? Yeah, that sounds right. Um, oh fucking hell, was it the Moonlight Year? It could have been, yeah. Yeah, I think it was the uh, I think it was the Moonlight Year. I'm just trying to fucking come on, Google, you fucking twat. Right. Uh, yeah, Moonlight, La La Land, Arrival, Lion, Hell or High Water, Hidden Figures, Hacksaw Ridge, Manchester by the Sea, and Fences were the nominees that year. Yeah. Yeah, Viola Davis won for Best Supporting Actress, isn't it? That's a fucking good year, that. That is a very good year. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Picture this year, Mark. What's it? Spencer Confidential. Yeah. Yep. You still, you still on the Spencer Confidential train, are you, bud? Yeah. It's pretty sweet. Matt Wahlberg, best actor, best, best actor, Spencer Confidential. Uh, uh, no. And then literally, 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 he's gonna, he's gonna walk up and he's gonna announce the Spencer next two Spencer Confidential movies. Yeah. And everyone will just go, do you know what? Yeah. Everything's gonna be all right. Yeah. Spencer's got this covered. You're an odd duck. Spencer Confidential was this year. Yeah. Fucking underwater was this year. That blew yeah. my mind. Yeah. Underwater. <laughs> Every time I remember that, it's like, whoa, fuck. It does. It literally. Last January feels like it was like six weeks ago and six years ago at weirdly exactly the same time. Yeah. Uh, um, it feels like we've run out of steam on Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. It, so. it, 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 it's very good, but it's maybe not quite as good as I thought it was going to be. I think as well, given, yeah. given that it's Chadwick Boseman's last film that's going to be released just kind of really wanted it to be better as well didn't you to be like a but he's very he's very good yeah, in it yeah. however he breaks into that room that he's been trying to get in breaks that door that he's been trying to get through for the entire film and then nothing comes of it it's just an empty room yeah it's basically a yeah yeah it's a bit of a bit of an anti-climax that one isn't it yeah yeah, I mean, I, it, it, I mean, there's there's a whole point to that because that's around about the same point that the uh, he he goes up to the producer and the and he's like, I'll pay you X amount of dollars, whatever it was, isn't it? It's about that. Oh, hello. Hello. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Uh, yeah, I'm back. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Our audience pull. I'm, I'm definitely not shit on it. Yeah. It's definitely not shit. Uh. And our audience poll was uh, definitely shit 71% and touching cloth 29%. Mm. Mm. I could see that. Yeah. Yeah, I can as well. It, it is definitely not shit. It, it just, I think I expect this a little bit different. I think it's maybe that rather than it not being quite as good as I thought it would well, be. That's, that, that's my thought. Yeah, yeah. That, that's my thought. I'll tell you what as well. As a messy bitch who lives for the drama, as I'm now styling myself, um, I'm kind of it, it, the, the best actor race is going to be fascinating next year, considering it's essentially dead black man Ch- Chadwick Boseman versus old white man Anthony Hopkins. That's 
that's something. It's going to be Chadwick Boseman. It's going to be Chadwick Boseman. It's going to be. Could you? But could you imagine if it wasn't? Fucking hell. And you can imagine that Hopkins will be completely unaware (laughs) of the fact that 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 nobody will like it if he wins, and will literally go up and go and be talking about it and be looking out in the fucking crowd for Chadwick, going, "Where's Chadwick?" And then someone will whisper in his ear and he'll go, "Oh, that's unfortunate." And then wander off. Because he seems to live on a fucking different planet. Are we talking about for the father? Yeah. Yes. He does look good. This I'm very much looking forward to it. Can I just say that Mal Rainey's Black Bottom gave us one of the best photos Twitter has had this year. What's that? The photo that Viola Davis posted of her working out to lose the weight that she put on for Mal Rainey's. Where you look oh, at yes. it and go, damn. Yeah, it's a bit of a damn moment. That woman, that woman is in her late fifties. She's got spectacular hair. She's magnificent. She right, Noel is incoming. <laughs> or at least he should be. He's just nipping to the bathroom. <laughs> oh, is he? Yeah. I don't know why I need this to share on the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure he'll love that. Thanks. Thanks. What we've been watching, I. I'm I'm minded to throw to Noel and George first, just in case they want to get off, because I realise what the time is. So, um, George, um, what have we got for what What have you been watching recently, man? Well, I've actually got quite a few, which is very very strange for me. Um, but I'll start with I've been doing a bit more of a 2020 catch up, but I'll start with a film that is not from 2020. Um. But it's kind of fitting regarding the fact that we've just got the announcement of Aquaman, Ant-Man 3, and he um, he directed the finale of The Mandalorian Season 2, Peyton Reed. And I watched, um, re- well, re-watched, I remember watching this film years back, but the 2003 romantic comedy Down With Love. Nice. Starring uh, Rene yeah. Zellweger, Ewan McGregor, and... Was that Peyton Reed? Yeah. yeah. Fucking and out. I genuinely think that if this film was made 50 to 60 years before that it was, it would be considered a classic. I can agree with that. It, yeah. it has the whole screwball element, the comedy, the the really nice charm to it. Um, you can definitely, you could see Ewan McGregor being a Clark Gable or a Cary Grant. You can see Renaud Zellweger being a, a Rosalind Russell or a Doris Day or even like a Catherine Hepburn type. And just by switching those two people out, you can definitely, I can see it being seen as a classic because the sexual politics going on in that film is so, so funny. And what I kind of also like is... Um, You've got uh, you've got David Hyde Pierce in there as sort of like the um, bumbling best friend and Sarah Paulson and, and people like that. And they all just shine. Ewan McGregor is on top form. He is very, very good as Catch... Oh, what's his name? Catch something. Uh, whatever. Um, but yeah, it's so brilliant and just enjoyable and i'll start my 2020s right so again a film that i can't believe came out this year but it did 
uh, is the personal history of David Copperfield. David Copperfield. Oh the my God! That's this year. It came out in January, in mate. 20, oh. 24th of January. Double build that motherfucker with the grudge. <laughs> um, it's going to be an overly positive um, thing for me this week because. Yeah, the personal history of David Copperfield is an absolute joy. It is. It showcases Dev Patel as being that he should be a bigger star than he is. Um, it's a funny and dry and sarcastic, but not in a typical Iannucci way. It isn't too. Although I do like Iannucci, and 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 when I think of it, he's still genius, but. It has a very warm heart to this movie, and I love the way he unfolds the story and the sort of jumpiness regarding it. It's it's kind of sketch comedy in a way. It feels knitted together, but yeah, I really did enjoy that movie. Next up, what should I talk about? I watched The Nest. This is Sean Durkin's follow-up uh, feature film, follow-up to Martha, Marcy, May, Marlene. And yeah, let's go. Sorry, I'm very excited. For with Jude Lauren. Yeah. Yeah. And this one. It is. So not the 19, not the 1988 film, The Nest, about a, a series of giant cockroaches that take over a small town. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> okay. And so the, yeah, this stars Jude Law, Carrie Coon, um, as a married couple. It's set in the 1980s and they're living in a, in a New York City where Jude Law one morning says he needs well, he's an investment banker or uh, he deals with shares and trades and whatever. But he says it needs a bit of a different scene. So he's like, I want to move back to England. They do so they buy this huge country mansion and Jude Law, Carrie Coon and their two kids uh, live there. And things start to go a little bit awry and I mean, for those who have seen Martha and Massey, Mayor Marlene, there's, there's a certain tone to that movie. And even like with Southcliffe, that he, the TV show that he did for Channel 4 a few years after that, it, it is all about the atmosphere. And it, it's not particularly a complex or anything like that. It, it, it has some vibes in there where you think it might be going down an avenue where it... it, it could be supernatural but it really just showcases again we talk about the 80s we talk about greed and we're talking about wanting more and living a life a bit more extravagant than the ones you you have and yet it, it's done so so well and this fractured family that it portray, like portrays is wonderful carrie coon is incredible jude law the same and yet the nest is definitely definitely worth a Definitely worth a watch when when it does, or when you get the chance to. I want to do these in um, order of which I liked next. So the next one is another 2020 film, and it is Eliza Hitman's Never Rarely, Sometimes, Always. And this is the story of a 17-year-old um, woman who gets pregnant by mistake and... Because of where she lives in Pennsylvania, she's unable to get an abortion without parental consent. So her and a cousin 
uh, go on a bit of a road trip to New York City to get that abortion. So this is obviously a comedy. Comedy of the year, mate. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say. <laughs> but this... It's a very affecting film. Um, and yes, it does sound like a bit like a bit uh, misery porn. And to be honest, it does go down that avenue, but it goes down that avenue because it it has to. And but it doesn't all. It doesn't just showcase the that story of being young and not wanting to be a mother, but it shows the the female experience, especially the young female experience that kind of makes you reflective in a way because I mean the it's just the ickiness of it and maybe and me as a, a male who is un, unintentionally ignorant to some things that like you don't understand just how horrible men can sometimes be to women and it's not not really even in in, in, in a hurtful way but just it made me think about actions that I've done in the past and like have I ever been that horrible without even knowing it but what yeah. it's it, it really yeah <laughs> it, it, get in get in He's it not. really puts that front and centre and there's certain things that happen within the film that it just sort of washed over regarding the plot but in any other sort of life you would think it would be like a, a, a sort of personality defining event but it, it, the way it's showcased is like it's something that happens on the regular which if it's if it's true and again I, i'd hate for anybody i mean you've all got daughters to to, to watch this and think that but it is really true it, it's really really troubling and really scary film as well but the scene that gets where it gets its title from never really sometimes always is probably the best scene that i've seen this year and the way it's filmed it's, it's very calm but it's quite disturbing and yeah it, it's a film that'll stay with you for for quite a while what's that um, on god it's, it's on itunes and shit isn't it? you can rent yeah. it yeah okay and the next one that i want to talk about is the the, the, the best film that i've seen this week and it'll probably be up there for the films that I've seen this year and it is Kelly Reichardt's first cow and this is the story of a chef cookie um, Otis Cookie Figowitz who is a is a chef traveling through an 18 early 1800s America with a group of fur trappers where he comes across a Chinese immigrant who's on the run for killing a man. And we sort of jump forward in time where you see the Chinese man escape because he, he allows him to stay in his camp. And we, and we and they sort of reunite a bit later in the town and we find out that the, the leader of this town has had a cow delivered. And this is the first cow delivered to this part of America that there's sort of like there's ever been. And being a chef, they start to steal the milk and cookie starts to basically make these biscuits and sell it. And 
it seems again a very simple story it is a simple story and it's very simply told but it is a lovely gentle comforting watch like it is like kelly reichardt makes a certain brand of films and if you're on with that brand and you like it then i think you'll get a, a bit out of this but if you don't it's very slow it's very um laborious but i kind of like the calmness within it i mean you do get drama and it does amp up towards the end but it is so much about the relationship between um cookie and king lu who is the the, the chinese immigrant and just those seeing an opportunity to try and better themselves because what it is is really about it's about these peasants and it's all about well we can't get a first a, a foot within the um economical ladder if you will so because of our station because we have no money so they see the opportunity of of getting this and then creating a bit more money so they can actually start to have their business and it, i mean i know it's been turned up on loads of top tens of the year list that i've seen and it, rightly so because it is a wonderful wonderful film I didn't get on with Meek's cutoff at all, so am I going to have trouble with this? Um, I think it's a little bit more um, open than Meek's cutoff. If you get through the first sort of maybe 20 minutes, I think you'll get on with it. Okay, cool, cool. Okay, great. And, uh, George, do you want to do you want to stay on? You're welcome to, bud. I'm just... Uh there's there's an out if you want it consider uh it's five to I'll ten see, as I'll we record under, so. to, 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 i'll see under here Noel's what we've been watching brilliant okay great stuff um no go ahead mate what have yeah. you been watching <clears throat> well i mean apart from i've obviously been um gorging on christmas films as i do at this time every year and it's, it's the usual suspects really but the only real standout one this year is is scrooged um which yeah. i don't oh, yeah. think I don't think I've watched for a couple of years, but the difference was this time around um, I watched it with Charlie, and I think because I'd not watched it for a couple of years, it was one of those movies that I stuck on and thought as soon as I'd stuck it on, I, I, like he literally sat down and and and, I, and and he said I said sit down and watch this, and he literally said oh, do I have to watch this? And I was like yes you do sit down and watch this, um, and and about ten minutes in he was locked right into it. And I was a bit worried because I couldn't remember if it was sweary or if it was inappropriate or if there was anything I was going to need to shield him from. from. Um, but, I mean, as soon as he sees the day the reindeer died, he's probably like, right, exactly. OK, I kind of want to see where this is going. Exactly, exactly. And I knew that would get him in the door and it really kind of did. Um, yeah. And, you know, he sort of he got it. He got that Bill Murray was a twat. But at the same time, he kind of liked Bill Murray and he wanted to see him fixed. So he really got on board with it right up until the, you know, the monologue at the end and was literally out of his chair dancing around to put a little love in your heart at the end of it. So it it absolutely worked. So the only reason I wanted to mention it, nobody needs to hear me talk about what it's about or how good it is. But, um, you know, if you're looking for a movie to watch with um, your eight year old kid, uh, seven or eight year old kid. Scrooged will work quite well. The only thing I literally shielded him from was the reveal of the um homeless dude. No, the ghost, ghost of yeah. yeah, the ghost of future 
of Christmas Future where he reveals his stomach. Literally, he was sat next to me with his head on my shoulder and I put my hand right across his face just for that moment. But even, you know, the bit with the homeless guy, like, he watched it and he got it and he was like, you know, he's really bad. He could have helped him. And I'm like, yeah, exactly. He could have helped him. He's learning now, you know. So it's a perfect Christmas movie to watch with a kid. Did he he like the section where Bill Murray's just doing an impression of Richard Burton for fucking... (laughs) (laughs) I thought so. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He literally jumped out of his seat and went, is he doing Richard Burton? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So no, he, he loved that. The only other the only other thing that hasn't been a Christmas movie was uh, as the result of um, uh, choice paralysis, um, which I know we all probably struggle with. So you know, flicking through uh, f- flicking through stuff for hours and not being able to come up with anything. Well, now I've got the problem of obviously I've got Disney Plus and I've got Netflix, but I've got now TV for Christmas as well. So I've got the problem of flicking through that and not being able to come up with anything. But I hit on hot air from 2018 which is a, a steve coogan vehicle um has anybody seen it no the only reason why i know of it is one of the presenters a blank check is in it oh really yeah he played people in the, the the who are his um his radio show people he he usually plays kind of scrawny pa type characters has he got glasses and kind of a beard and he's a, a bald head and no, no. Um, oh, I know oh, who it shit. is. Is it the guy from Tick? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, no, he's good in it. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I like Steve Coogan. I can watch most things with Steve Coogan in, so it, feel, it felt like an easy one. Um, the fact that in this he is playing a, a right-wing American radio talk show host um made it all the more appealing i liked the idea of seeing someone like um steve alan partridge coogan taking on um a sort of you know a trump supporting uh a trump supporting radio dj type um and i think when the movie kicks off that's exactly what you're getting so the plot is essentially he's um this right-wing talk show host his um his viewing figures have been through the roof for ages but they're on the decline a little bit there are other people that are coming into the space that are taking up his viewership um and around that point this kind of prick of a man is forced to deal with the fact that he has a 16 year old niece that appears out of nowhere and is kind of in a little bit of trouble uh, because her mother who is his sister um is uh, falling off the wagon um you know for the umpteenth time and uh, and you know he needs to take in this 16 year old and kind of deal with her and deal with her problems a little bit um so the direction that it goes in funnily enough while i was watching it i was thinking this could kind of work as a christmas movie it's set in is it set in new york i'm pretty sure it's I don't know if it's set in New York specifically, but it is, you know, it's set in a big city. It's the sort of, you know, the 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 outsider that comes into the big city and, and he has to sort of learn to be a bit more caring and learn to be more understanding and learn to be less selfish. And she sort of breaks him a little bit. And it's it's more about how um, his character actually doesn't necessarily mean the things that he's saying it's just that he's doing it because that's his character on the radio it's not as explicit as that but you get that sense throughout 
Um, and I think actually what makes it work as a film is not so much the thing that leads you in, the thing that led me in of this is Steve Coogan playing a right wing radio DJ. What actually makes it work is the um, the the young girl character of Taylor uh, of Tess, who's played by an actress called Taylor Russell, who the only thing notable I can see she was in something called Waves in 2019. And I believe she's in Lost in Space TV series. Um, but she's excellent. She's brilliant. She's really, really charming. She's really, really believable um, as this really smart, um, but young and kind of, um, you know, emotionally charged, but challenged uh, individual who's had a lot to deal with in her life, but is sort of getting on the best she can. Um, and how she approaches um steve coogan's character lionel and how she sort of starts to break him down and how she calls him out on things and and how he then reveals to her why he's the way he is and sort of calls her out on things they really do have a nice sort of chemistry and a nice sort of they 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 do bump up against bump up against each other rather well um and you know it's not uh it's not a game changer but it's a really nice really watchable uh little flick and i think the fact that steve coogan who is the big draw here in certainly in playing this character is kind of outshone a little bit by this 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 supposedly 16 year old uh character um really says a lot about about her impact on the on the story um it's on now tv at the moment it's quite disposable it's very watchable it's a couple of jingle bells away from being a Christmas movie. It, you know, it, it would work in that context, I think. So um, it's, it's worth a watch. Definitely worth a watch. Um, but that's about it for me. Apart from, you know, I've been catching up on bits of TV and Mandalorian and stuff like that. So um, I'm going to be taking 2021 a lot more seriously in terms of films. I'm going to watch a lot more shit because, frankly, my consumption this year has been has been has been poor. So, um, yeah, next time around, I'll have a lot more to say. Ah, oh, very good. Well, I enjoyed uh, everything you had to say there, but I'm, I'm sure everybody else did as well, apart from Admiral House, the miserable bastard. <laughs> uh, uh, no. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, we'll talk about some what we've, uh, what we've been watching then. Um, I'm not kicking you guys off in the slightest. I don't want you to feel like that. It, it, it just like if if you do want to go, it's a natural time to go. So um, uh, otherwise, I'll continue. Well, I'll break away because I've only got one more beer that I can have before bedtime because I'm limiting myself. So I'll have one more beer before bedtime. So I'll uh, I'll leave you to it. Yeah, I'll head too. So it'll just be the core of you for the rest of it. Okay. Well, no. Jordan, a pleasure as always. Anything uh, to plug before you go? Nope, just all have a Merry Christmas. Yeah, absolutely. Just go get absolute plateaus and eat too much turkey. Yeah, <laughs> fucking right. Nice one. Right, Thank you, guys. Thank you, gents. Take care. Merry Christmas. Okay, so we continue on. Um... Does anybody want to take a break to get a drink or go to the toilet or whatever before we carry on? No, good to go. Uh, Bex's just got to quickly do something now, so she's going to be a couple of minutes. So do you want to do your what you've been watching first? Uh, uh, yeah, 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 sure I can do. Uh, okay, so I uh, went on a bit of a Seth Rogen kick last week and did a double bill. Um, Very nice. Yes. Um, watched um, his 
kind of now infamous because of the the Sony hack, and that's all anyone ever really talks about in reference to the film. Uh, the interview, which I think is fucking brilliant. Uh, this film makes me laugh consistently every time I watch it. Franco is going big in this, um, but I think it works for the character. I've been uh, over watching this for ages. Oh man, like he is. Uh, yeah, I mean he's really, really fucking going for it, and that it's obviously intentional in 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 the direction. Um, but I I think it works. By the end, you are just incredibly endeared to him. Um, and you know, I mean, it's there's an awful lot of just funny random shit in the interview which it might just be my sense of humor to be fair because uh we'll, we'll talk about Holmes and Watson in a bit and uh, how much I enjoy that film but yeah I, I it, it just it work it works all the way for me and it's quite long as well but I like that because there's just a lot of funny shit in it um and the sequence at the end with um Katy Perry's firework as um, uh, Kim Jong is uh, blown up is sensational. Uh, yeah, I really like the interview. Also watched uh, the night before. Um, yeah. Only so see- oh, really? Oh, yeah. Okay, I'll save that then. Um, rewatched. As I said, I was thinking about last week. I rewatched the uh, Blumhouse Black Christmas. We rewatched the first forty minutes of it, and then I decided to go to bed. Right. Okay. <laughs> it's. Uh, I think I probably said this when we reviewed it, but it feels like a film that wasn't originally a remake of Black Christmas, and they just retooled it. Yeah. Um. And that's that does that does bother me. I, you know, because I, I, I think there's good, solid material to mine in a remake of Black Christmas. Yeah. And um, they do go in a different direction, and it's Sledgehammer for a Walnut. Um, which I think I, I think I maybe had less problems with this time round. You know, um, I think because I knew. Wow, this really isn't actually a remake of Black Christmas. This is a completely separate film called Black Christmas. I think I maybe gave it a bit more time. The the the, the thing is though, the magical shit is very very dumb. It yeah. could easily just be a fraternity of fucking douchebags. Which it kind um, of is as well. Yeah, but I mean, like the whole like the the bust of the ex like college founder is actually like possessed and it possesses them when they put them. I it just like no look no no just have a bunch of douchebag frat boys attacking attacking these women and it would feel more. Fucking hell, holy shit. It kind of takes away from the really, like, more down-to-earth kind of, like, everyday horror of, 
you know, Imogen Poots play, playing a character who essentially was date raped and like the law kind of dealt with it or the college dealt with it, but in a way where they uh, they think less of her for it, you know. Um, it, it, yeah, I, I don't There's real everyday horror in this film that they feel like they just have to go, oh, plus there's a magical bust of a ex-college founder. It, it doesn't, I, that, that shit doesn't work. And the Exorcist 3 ripoff, mm. I forgot how quick that scene is. Yeah, like, there's no build up to it, is there? It just the, happens. There's there's like a couple of there's like a couple of bits of the girl going from one end of the the shot to the other, one end of the shot to the other, comes out of the left, and the the figure comes up behind her. And you know, and I I I think it's cool that a modern day horror film is referencing Exorcist Three in such a obvious way. I but I wish the scare was better. Because like you say, there's no build up. There's there's no real tension to it, you know. And because the, the, the thing is, in this setting, you are expecting something to happen, yeah. And you're waiting for the thing to happen. The fucking majesty of that sequence in Exorcist Three is that scene has built up to a jump scare, and then you just you don't see it coming at all. Yeah, and it, the, the fact is. I've seen Exorcist 3 numerous times and it fucking still gets me every single time. Yeah, it uh, yeah, it's it's great because it it does it feels unnatural where they're coming from. And it does in this as well, but it just doesn't give you the time of day to think about it. And I mean there, there there's a kill later on as well where a girl's looking for some Christmas lights and she's kind of like up in the attic and then somebody in a mask is just crouched there and then comes for her. And it, you know, and it all I'm thinking there is, what was he just fucking crouched there, hoping someone would randomly come up to the attic? <laughs> that, yeah, that's that's it. The thing is, like I say, I, we we did sit down to to, to rewatch it, um, and I, I won't, I'll be honest, I won't feeling too great. So that's why I kind of I, I turned it off. I was like, look, I'm not feeling too great, and it's not worth staying up for this because it was really boring. It, it it's it's really boring as well. It, it's, I, I found it. That 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 first half is very 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 low key. Yeah. There's a cu- there's a couple of kills and it's yeah I I, I think that it, sequence where Imogen Poots is in that like dance thing and they they sing that song about how she was raped. That's that, that you know that is quite a, a a powerful little scene and I I like the way that it then builds the fuck we've actually pissed people off here doing this. And now we're getting hunted down. And again, it that feels like a better idea for a film. A bunch of pissed off frat boys going after these girls when they embarrass uh, when uh, when the girls embarrass them at this show. But no, it's all started beforehand, and it's all just this evil magical. Do you know what? Principal bust. I, it, yeah. The, the, the film. The film. You you know, I knew straight away watching the film. I said to Bex when we watched it this time. Um, I knew this film was going to be an absolute disappointment. When at the very beginning, you've got a, a really good... It's, it's a really solid, I think, opening for the first kill. 
and then you get the you know the essentially like the the, the kill that forms the snow angel yeah and that's then right, that's right. it's dragging drag her, her away, away. yeah and you've good. got that to one right of the screen then you've got the big expanse of snow on the ground yeah. there and you're going ah oh, it's gonna come up and say black christmas against that bit no just boom kicks it aside black christmas on a title card and it's like You've got that shot there. You've yeah. got all that there lined up. You know, all you need to do is fucking dunk it. And what do you do? You just fucking spike it away. Uh, yeah, agree. Agree. It, 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 it's the thing is, I think going at it the first time round, I was just like, that wasn't Black Christmas. And I think that I think that is fair because no, it's not the film that it was in my head. But to be fair, you did say you were a remake of Black Christmas. So yeah. Um, but I don't think I'm as against it as I was the first time round because I I I I could see what I can kind of see what they're going for in elements of it, but I feel like there were a series there were a series of obvious bad decisions, which do kind of feel like this film was conceived of, shot and released in the span of a year. And also, like I say, it feels like a different script that was retold because Jason Blum said, "I tell you what, I'll give this a go if you can turn this into a Black Christmas remake." Yeah. Um, but I, it it does, it weirdly feels like a cash grab and someone trying to say something and having to mush it into a form that it doesn't fit. Um, but I, 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 I think. I was maybe too harsh on the filmmakers first time round and just going, this is just fucking cynical. They just made it, because, you know, because it they they could. To be fair, I don't know. Jason Blum says, hey, you can make the film you want to make, but you've got to do X, Y, and Z. A lot of people would go for that deal, and yeah, fair enough. I I I I, I wish the execution was better. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And I watched National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, but it's fucking Christmas Vacation, you know. It's it's just great. Pretty fucking great. Um, I think Bex is still doing what she's doing. So should we do Night Before quickly? Yeah, do it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, it's become a bit of a Christmas classic for me. This not like yeah. that I think it's Christmas classic, but it's become it, it, it's it's now entered my Christmas rotation. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, I think the worst thing I can say about it is that they choose the least interesting of the trio to be the ostensible lead. Like, JGL, not that bothered about that character, to be honest with you. No, I, I, I think what I think that, uh, that he's quite good at doing um, is he's quite good at playing kind of dickheads that are actually dickheads, that are just people who have the capacity to be a dickhead. And he kind of does that quite charmingly here, where he does try and make everything about him. And that is kind of his problem, is he's just never got all the thing that defines him. Yeah, yeah, and I, 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 get, I get that. But and it, the thing is, like Anthony Mackie's character, the stuff with the steroids and whatnot, comes on quite late in the day. And it's like, maybe you would like to dig into that a little bit more. And then, but then Seth Rogen basically just gets the 
broad comedy of it all. And that moment where he is receiving those texts from James Franco, Donna, I had to pause it because she was (laughs) laughing so much. Like, I haven't seen her like that in in hysterics in a long while. Like, fuck, she was fucking loving it. Like, just the whole kind of like, do you want to suck my do you want to suck my dick? And Seth Rogen's like, do I? I think I kind of do. Am I gonna suck your man's dick tonight? You know, just that that whole kind of thing. It it's the callback to it later on where he's like he's like you were gonna suck my dick and he was like I, I was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just the, the way that Franco is just really re- like into him. And the fact that Franco literally apparently asked Jonathan Levine and well, actually demanded that Jonathan Levine, when it comes up in the cast, say that he is playing himself. <laughs> That's great. I mean, yeah, I mean, it. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's fucking it's cracking. I mean, I don't know. Michael Shannon plays like a magical stoner who, in the end, is revealed to be so an angel waiting to get his wings. Yeah. A oh, brilliant, brilliant. And the whole reason why that he's doing it all is because he watched, he, he read The Great Gatsby. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And then he'd say about the Leo thing, you know, I didn't really like the movie, but I'm a sucker for Leo. <laughs> but then he's just like, but the 3D gives me a head. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's, that's almost like with Michael Shannon, like, it, it's like, it, it, he's like, that's his thing. He's just saying that because him and Leonardo DiCaprio are very good friends. Oh, really? Oh, that's yeah. funny. Yeah, probably him and DiCaprio have become quite good mates post uh, they're working on um, Revolution Road together. Oh, that's fun. Um, that's yeah, fun. Seth Rogen, just like you said, the comedy heavy lifting. I mean, the bit where he's sending a message to his, his, his self about his kid is brilliant. Fuck you, baby. <laughs> but then, but then also the bit where he's trying to act not stoned <laughs> in, mm. the, in, in the limo. And he keeps pulling those faces. Yeah. He's, he's kind of brilliant. There's one where I think he does it where he takes his glasses off and just puts them in his mouth. And he's like, what about now? It's like, wow, <laughs> that is haunting how weird you look right now. <laughs> it's just, it, I, I will also say, you know, I, I, I'm not a big Miley Cyrus fan, in, in despite the fact that, that weirdly I think I've seen all of her movies. But uh, listen, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt belting out Wrecking Ball is fantastic. Yep. yep. That man can belt out a tune. It is wonderful. Yeah. Well, you're I, in the room, aren't you? Yeah, it's fucking great. And I was listening to what you were saying from in there. You didn't mention the bit with Seth Rogen in the church. Oh, we didn't do that. Oh, the baby when he's hissing at the baby. Yeah. yeah. Oh, <laughs> that's a hissing. Yeah, yeah we, didn't, we didn't do that. We didn't do that. <laughs> and he's running away. I, I didn't find What's-Her-Face as annoying as I usually do. Either. Yeah, I did. I know you did. I did. Oh, uh, she, she's not she funny. She, but she don't get... No, 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 no not this Captain. Bell. Jillian Bell. Oh, okay. Yeah. She's barely in it, so she's not... She's... Then, 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 A... Cast somebody that might be funny, rather than somebody that just isn't funny, and cast somebody whose face doesn't look like the back of a fat man's knee. But I do find her quite funny in this because it's quite understated. Donna just, Donna just calls her Britney runs a marathon. That's all she refers to her as. She's just like, oh, is that Britney runs a marathon? 
Yes, it is Britney runs a marathon. Do you know who else they could have cast in it? Anyone else. Anyone else. Anyone else. Anyone else. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's great and it's really fucking funny. So. What what else? What have you been watching on your solo, Becky? So, uh, I have watched a few. Um, I watched uh, Jawbreaker. Um, what? I, I forgot you watched that. Random. Yeah. It's one of those films that I always forget how how good it actually is. It's really quite funny. And what's her name? Um, Rose McGowan. Rose McGowan. I can't get Rosario Dawson out of my head. It's then. not Rosario Dawson. It's not Rosario Dawson. Um, is is very well cast as the bitch because she seems like she would be a bitch. Um, so yeah, it's it's very much of its time, but it's really funny. I watched The Greatest Showman. Everyone knows my thoughts on the Greatest Showman, so I'm not going to go into that one too much. But oh, wank. You are. Do no, you think it's a pile of wank? No, no, <laughs> I really love it. Um, and you know, I don't care that it's all that it's all fabricated, and that in real life he wasn't that great of a guy. I don't care. It's a fun movie. Zac Efron's great in it. Zendaya's great in it. Zac Efron's great in everything. He is. The bit at the end where where he where he like transfers the hat over to him and then he comes out like doing a knee slide it's fucking magical um of course it's like Ephraim. and yeah I, I still wanted to test whether i could but i still can't watch it without having a little bit of a cry <laughs> it's just it's just totally enough um i also watched 13 ghosts um i fucking love 13 ghosts well, i could literally watch it like weekly see i couldn't watch it weekly but i'm a sucker for anything with matt Lillard. yeah he is so good in it and the the whole like ghost the the story of it's really interesting. Like, um, it's really it's really well put together. Um, I, I, I like the fact that F. Murray Abraham approached it with with the same amount of vigor as he approaches everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, um, watch that with Isabel one night. I don't know what you were doing. I think it might have been when you were uh, recording, and she made me find the backstories of all the ghosts. No, and it read wasn't. Them to it was the night when I decided to stop watching Black Christmas because I was not feeling very well and bored. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so yeah, yeah, she made me read her the backstory of all the all the ghosts so that she knew like what their story was. Um, so what else watched Moon? I also watched The Brothers Bloom. Seems like it's been a bit of a, a week for me for just fuck it, I'm sick of waiting. I'm gonna watch it on my own. Um, I, I you're not so keen on this anymore, are you? Brothers Bloom, it it, it it's good. But I think it it tries to be too playful too often, and that 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 kind of that didn't sit with me as well. I think I I, I think I'm just a little bit over um, Adrian Brody. Oh, I like Abrod. Yeah, I think I'm a little bit over him. But he's got what's his face in it as well. Ruffles. Ruffles. It is, but I think I'm over Abrod. It's got Rinko Kikuchi in it. Not. It just doesn't really. She's fine. She blows stuff up. She's fine. Um. Yeah, I, I loved it on rewatch. It's it's every bit as good as I remember it being. Um, I watched The Nutcracker and the Four Realms. Oh, so it, I like this. You didn't like this. No, I like it. Yeah, it's good. It's all it's like, good. And shit. It's honestly right. That that's a film that just fucking sank without a trace. Yeah, it really did. Yeah. And it's really really fucking good looking. Um, Kira Knightley is doing some fun over the top shit in it, and <laughs> I, you know, and 
I don't know. There's a bunch of fucking dancing in it, and it's really nice to see. People needed yeah. to get their fucking thumbs up their, out their asses about this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not... I don't know. I, I was going to say, it's not like a classic kids film that you'd sit down and, and like watch on the regular basis, but I, I think if I had a young Isabel rather than a 16-year-old miserable Isabel, I probably would. Yeah. So, so yeah. Um... It's just so pretty, and it, it feels really Christmassy. Um, so, and that's all that I needed from it. So, awesome. yeah, it did its job. Really enjoyed it on rewatch. Um, and then the last one that I watched technically doesn't count because it's a TV miniseries type thing. Okay. Uh, but I watched Rose Red, the Stephen King thing, but I won't say anything about it because it's TV. You watched all of it. Yeah. Did you? Yeah. When did you watch the last part of it? Today. With Isabel. No. Wow, that's cool. I've said I'll go back and watch it. She was going out, I need to watch it. Right, so we'll do the ones we watched together then. Yes. So we rewatched Die Hard, of course, at Christmas, but it's Die Hard, so we don't need to get much into it. <laughs> um, we also rewatched Underwater to see if it still stood up, didn't we? I think we did, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, because, Absolutely does. Because I, I, it, it's, I, I want to do a lot of end-of-the-year stuff, Mm. And this, at the moment, it was quite high. It's quite high in my end of year list. Mm. And I wanted to see if it was maybe just the visual of seeing the cinema and you know been a little bit like holy shit, kind of taken by surprise from it. No, it actually got better yeah. on rewatch. Yeah. Uh, that film is is an absolute corker and is pacey as fuck. It is, yeah. You know, it's it's a ninety five minute movie that gets its shit done, but feels like you're watching a two hour movie. It's yeah. the opposite of watching a two-hour movie that should be 95 minutes long. And one one place where films like this tend to fall down is creature design, and the creature design on this is fantastic. Oh, it's fucking... It, it, it's freaky, isn't oh, it? Oh, that bit where it, like, stands up and you realise that all the ones that have been attacking him so far are just, like, little ones that live on this giant one. Yeah. Oh, my God. And what I, <laughs> what I thought about halfway through it was... It, I, 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 I am not a remaker for right? Uh, I hope that this film doesn't get remade or they don't re-fucking do it. But if they wanted to go for a go right, we're fucking we're, we're, we're redoing Alien mm, mm. like that. She'd be a good Ripley, yeah. Kristen Stewart would be a fucking great Ripley. Do you know what? She's got a really good on-screen charisma. She is. I think I think she's fucking great and she's fantastic in this. It is. I, I really really enjoyed it again on rewatch. I really want to know where she got that like bralette top on. She I think they're issue because the you know dead Jane, dead, dead Jane. Jane's wearing one. Uh, um, fucking dead Jane. What? Fucking dead Jane. Yeah. Um, we also rewatched Eight Crazy Nights, the um, Adam Sandler animation, um, which is a Hanukkah movie. It is. Yeah. Uh, it's really fucking entertaining. It's, Ian, have you ever seen this? No. I was fucking fascinated to hear the word rewatch. Oh, we've watched this quite a lot. Oh, yeah, we've watched it a lot. Wow, okay, okay. Yeah. Um, it's in the Christmas rotation. We always watch it when it starts. I, I actually think you'd actually really quite like this. Yeah. It's... It's fun. It's 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 kind of mean-spirited, but in a in a, quite a nice way, if that makes any sense. Yeah. In the fact that it's, it's, it's been mean, but not mean-spirited. Did you mention it's also a musical? Yeah. Wow. 
it's okay. a musical. Um, there's a song that's in the round, isn't there? Yeah. <laughs> so do you know the Do you know the story about it? No, go on. Right. So it's an animation uh, done in like a classic style of how um, Christmas TV specials were done as the animation for it. Um, Adam Sandler plays a character called Davy Stone, who is essentially a a bit of a bum, isn't he? Yeah. He also, he hates Christmas and Hanukkah because his parents were killed around this time when he was a kid. And so every Hanukkah, he ba- or Christmas, he basically destroys it for the town by being a bit of a dick. Um, and he gets essentially sentenced, doesn't he, um, to 10 years. Mm. But a, a local... Um, what is he? He's a referee. He's a referee for basketball referee. Basically says that um, could he do community service instead um, and train to be a a youth basketball referee? And it's set over the over Hanukkah, and it's about him essentially becoming a good person. It's a redemption arc. Yeah, isn't it, basically, it is. But. It's yeah, it's a lot of fun. Uh, there's some like there's some like trippy scenes in it. There's some fucking weird reindeers that do some mad shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's some gross out stuff in there. There's some gross out bits in it. There's Adam Sandler singing about stuff that actually is is really quite good. Um, it's it's a lot of fun. The standout song is the technical foul song. The technical foul song is a great song. It is good. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's fun. That actually gets used, doesn't it, in our in our household? Yeah, it does. The technical foul thing gets used a lot in our household. Mm. Um, and <laughs> Matt really enjoyed this movie. And um, before we get into Holmes and Watson, uh, we watched Doolittle. Okay. Yeah. How'd that go? Shit in it. It's not very good. I can yeah. see what I can see why it bombed massively. So essentially, Doolittle is landed gentry has something happen to him that causes him to then use um animals as his slaves. To essentially just continue with his melancholy. And then the only reason why he snapped out of it is when he thinks he's about to lose his land. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. that's the point. Yeah, it's... <sighs> it's central characters are fucking arsehole. With, I don't think, any redemption to him at all. Hmm. And then it's, oh, and then it's like, oh, you need to save the queen. And then immediately the queen just shows that she's a bit of a dick as well. Um, I, I, yeah, I hated it. <laughs> I think that's fair. It's not fun. Um, it's not charming. It's not witty. It is not anything that this movie should be. Do you know what? 
the fucking the, the early nineties Eddie Murphy Doctor Doolittle is infinitely more fun and better than this movie. And do you know what? That didn't cost fucking nearly two hundred million dollars. It's it's crap. It's really crap. But it, it, it it's almost offensive in how crap it can be. Mm. And also, you get a little bit excited when you when you realise what's his name voices the squirrel, didn't you? Uh, yeah, Craig Robinson, Craig Robinson. The squirrel, yeah. who who is is essentially doesn't trust that kid because he tried to shoot him. Yeah. But he did try to shoot him. Is he didn't even try to not shoot the duck or whatever. Uh, he still shot the squirrel, didn't he? Um, that I I would prefer to watch the side mission of that of, of what Craig Robinson's character is doing throughout the movie. Okay. That's better than anything else that is going on. Yeah. You know, essentially, Doctor Doolittle making a silverback gorilla play him against chess just to make himself feel better because he knows he's going to beat him. Yeah, it's a gorilla, you prick. Hated it. You did, didn't you? I, I really, really hated you it. You were quite angry with it, weren't you? Yeah. It's mean. He's a bit mean spirited, actually. <laughs> yeah. I don't like it. Yeah. I'm glad it flopped and I'm glad we won't get another one. Mm. And also, I think it's really lazy from McDonald Jr. It shows that he, he literally is just gone, do you know what? I've made my nut. Mm. I've made my nut. I don't need to care anymore. And that's quite sad because Robert Downey Jr. is a fucking great actor. Tell me what you want to do. And he's kind of just fallen into this, oh, I'm going to be, you know, a little bit outlandish. I might do a Welsh bit here. And it just makes no sense. They didn't like it. No. What do you think, Becky? I didn't hate it as much as you did, but it's it has no merit whatsoever. It's not a good story. It's not well done. It's not even well acted. The animals are all a bit weird. They don't like. They're not well done CGI animals. It, what amazes me here is we are now what 25 years on from Babe, mm. and that nails charming animal better than than a lot of these movies that are trying to do it now, mm. and look better. Yeah. Yeah, I want to probably watch it again. Uh. No, yep. totally fair. Um, go go on. On. That, 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 that's it. We're, we're on, to, we're on to the, the, the main event. Um, I kind of think maybe we should pause the main event for next week because it's ten thirty-five. <laughs> <laughs> I can, I can see your point on that. Yeah, it's late. It, the thing is, it. it it's kind of late for us. It's really fucking late for you, isn't it? Yeah, I, I, I kind of, I kind of want to come at Holmes and Watson uh, with a bit more awakeness. It, it, it's like this is like this is like ten past midnight for us for you, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I just really like Holmes and Watson. I don't. I just. I, 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 I don't know how much we want to get into it, but I just. It's feral being feral to the to like a nuclear powered degree. I um, I think it's, I genuinely think that John C. Riley is doing some great bits in this. Yeah. But it's in such a 
such a shit film. You shut your fucking mouth. But I mean, it, I yeah, I, I go on. It, so Bex, this was your first time at it, yeah. Mhm. And you didn't get on with it. I hated it. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely hated it. Which it, most people did. <laughs> it's mean spirited. It's no. it's crass. It is. It's not funny. It is. Will Ferrell's fucking shit in it. Um, all the like little shoehorned in references to like modern stuff are just really crappily done. Um, Rebecca Hall's pretty good in it. John C. Riley's pretty good in it. Will Ferrell ruins it. Absolutely ruins it. There's like a couple of funny bits that I laughed at. I can't remember what they are because I've, I've kind of mostly scrubbed the memory of the film from my mind. I think one's a bit with Steve Coogan. Um, I can't remember the other bit. But yeah, I... I, I was it... What, what was the other bit? Um, a, the telegram bit. No. Was it B? Although the first bit of that, it, it goes on too long. And that's what Will Ferrell does. He, he, he will fucking hammer the shit out of a joke that starts off funny until it's no longer funny i'm sorry the the the, the bit where where will ferrell turns around and puts on the fake mustache and turns back round and john c Riley pulls a gun on him is fantastic his <laughs> john c Riley's reaction to that is brilliant and then when he when he literally takes off and goes it's me and then when he puts it back on again and will <laughs> john c Riley goes to punch him is genius mm. It's fantastic. John C. Riley is, is good in it. It's just, yeah. I. But yeah, Grace, stop. Are you awake? Stop. <laughs> is very funny. But like I say, it just it, they just over egg it. No, I dis- I disagree. When he get when when he starts trying to get him to essentially send a telegram to dick pic, <laughs> it's it's brilliant. Hmm. I just like. Oh no, I remember the other funny bit. What? Um, when the man's on the floor and he's like, "Yeah, you're right. I'm just a poor wanker or something." <laughs> that bit's quite funny. I mean, I mean it, it's fascinating that you could cast Ray Fiennes as Moriarty, probably as a one-time deal, and it's this that he's <laughs> Moriarty in. Mm. Um, I, 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 I like. The running joke with Kelly McDonald and her gentleman suitors. Oh, I hated that. Oh, I fucking really love. And just John C. Riley saying, "Oh God, what was it? That's why my uh, my room always smells of." Um, 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 is, it, is it old fish and semen? Yeah, old fi- Yeah, fi- old fish yeah, and fish semen. Pie fish pie and fish pie and semen. That's it. Well, that's that's it. it. Grim. It's just crass. Not funny crass. Just crass crass. I, I, I don't know. But you know. I think John C. Riley can pull it off because it's John C. Riley. If, if it was Will Ferrell delivering that line, yes, but it's not. Because he's like he's genuinely hurt by it. <laughs> like Will Ferrell can't really do genuinely hurt. John C. Riley can. And then you've got a fucking musical number. <laughs> yeah. Which is brilliant. I, I, I mean. Holmes is an absolute tit. Yeah, fucking. But Sherlock Holmes is supposed to be a tit. I mean, it's just these little things like, uh, uh, now my mind is clear. Where's my opium? 
like it, it, it I, I, I like I like Holmes and uh, Lauren Lapkus as well. Like considering she barely like talks in the film, just her thinking that she's a feral cat, and one day they hope that she has the intellect of a six-year-old. Um, I, I like it just fucking eating the onion. The 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 bit where uh, Watson is described is basically announced as a real doctor, and the first thing he says is, "Would you like some heroin?" Yes. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. I mean, it. I I don't. It makes me laugh like yeah. pretty consistently throughout the entire thing. Please, I, I'm uh, laughing and I'm going. I know I probably shouldn't be laughing, but I don't care. Uh, yeah, I mean it, it's stupid stuff. Like um, when the, the judge is about to let the fake Moriarty free, and then J- Riley just comes in. He's like, "Stop this trial!" And then just starts shooting the guns in the air. And then he walks up, and then the one person just falls that like falls off the balcony behind him. It's it's fucking. I just. It yeah. I mean, it obviously like. I am the guy who enjoys a haunted house too, you know. Um, but I, I, is it Farrell and Riley's best one together? God, no, of course it's not. But I think it's more in that wheelhouse than people are willing to admit. It's it's the film that nobody asked for, that nobody wanted, that that when you actually look at it and go. Who was this film made for? And then there'd be a picture of me and Ian just going, hello. Yeah, yeah. It, it was made for me, hung over as shit on Boxing Day two years ago when I went to go see it. Yeah. And that, yeah, I mean, you're right though, Mark. It is literally made for us and nobody else on earth. Yeah. I do feel if, if, if we ever ran into, I don't know where we would, but if by some serendipitous moment we ever ran into John C. Riley and Will Ferrell, we would literally go, we really liked Holmes and Watson. And they'd go, oh, you're the two guys who liked Holmes and Watson. Um, it, it's... That's how you can like it so much. Because do you know what? What? Why not? It's not very good. So? Or funny. It is funny, though. It has no charm. It has loads of charm. It doesn't. It does. I, I disagree with you. We do have one question, guys. So should we just do it quickly, then? I, I will just say the two first bits of trivia on IMDb are according to deadline after disastrous test screenings, Sony attempted to sell the film to Netflix, which declined. <laughs> um, and during the opening days of its Christmas 2018 release, exhibitors reported an astonishing number of walkouts. <laughs> That, that's that, that's just cruel for the. I mean, yeah, I mean that's. I, I mean the third one is, is Steve Coogan basically saying, I think in twenty years' time when the dust has settled and people are able to look at Holmes and Watson objectively, I think people will stay. It's still rubbish. <laughs> oh God, this is brutal. The next one. Many critics decried the film for being horribly unfunny and shockingly incompetent on a technical level, with sloppy editing and several shots out of focus. I don't remember that. You can't see properly anywhere. Too shit. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Definitely not shit. (laughs) Definitely not shit. What do we have that's worse than shit? 
Is it Suspiria? Yeah. Oh, it is. Oh, yeah. fucking hell. My Suspiria for the year. Um, no, because it's not a new release, so that counted. Uh, Rick Kidd, at Rick J. Kidd, asks us, everyone has their favourite Christmas movies, but do you have any other favourite films for other holidays, e.g. New Year? Carol, New Year's. Looking forward to watching it next week. That movie about grooming? Yeah. Um, New Year's. When Harry Met, when Harry met Sally. Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, playing Strains Out of Our Easter, Last Temptation of Christ. <laughs> nice. Independence Day. Independence Day. Yeah. Two. <laughs> nice. Um, I mean, the Halloween one, but that's Halloween. There's that there. There's too many for Halloween. There is some. There's a random one that we always watch on a certain day, isn't there? We always watch a disaster movie on New Year's Eve as well. Yeah, so Greenland's getting watched this year. Sweet. Um, I'm fucking looking forward to that. <laughs> Because actually, the early word about Green about, that I heard about uh, Greenland is that it's actually quite good. Yeah, it's that, that it's surprisingly all right. Um, yeah. <laughs> film no one needs to watch right now. Yeah. Um, there's one that we always watch on a certain day. I can't remember what it is. It's a random fucking holiday. We always watch it. I can't remember what it is. But anyway, uh, but yeah, the, the, but I, the, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to my uh, New Year's watch when Harry met Sally. Yeah, because you didn't get to it last year. You didn't get to it last year. And I will only watch it in between Christmas and New Year because that's it's the right time to watch when Harry met Sally. Mm. And it genuinely is one of my favourite movies of all time. Yeah. And we've seen this quite a lot. If I could be transported into any movie, um, sort of time place, that movie makes new, is why I want to go to New York in winter. I bet it's not anywhere near as good as we think it is. I, I bet it's not, but I don't care. It's really cool. I'm fine with that. That's what I want. I want to go to New York at Christmas because I want it to be like that. I know it won't be like that, and my dreams will be shattered, and it's never meet your idols, but I don't care. Fair nice. Uh, so that's going to do it for this week uh, I I like need to go so next week we'll be reviewing Soul yes and I think that's it so far something else um, but we'll remember a different time hmm. um, yeah, there's something else there's something landing on Netflix oh the Midnight Sky that's the fucker that's it, yeah, yeah. Yeah, good call. Thank you. Literally, um, Ian, that backs up my theory that people have already yeah. forgotten about that movie before 100%. 100%. I'm going to struggle to actually remember to watch it for next week, yeah. but we'll, we'll see how it goes. So that's Soul and the Midnight Sky. Did all the plugs at the start. So thank you very much. Thank you, very, uh, Mark. Thank you very much, Becky. Thank you very much, Ian. Thanks, Ian. Merry Christmas, great guys. Host. Sorry? Been a great host. Oh, well, thank you so much um and uh thank you very much guys merry christmas stay safe and we'll speak to you soon good night bye bye bye
podcast is part of the Pod Syndicate family. For more criminally compelling shows, articles, and conversations, head to wearepodsyndicate.com. <laughs>